Now, from the Paxa Studios in downtown Honolulu, The Bobby Curran Show on ESPN Honolulu. Good morning. Happy Monday. It's the Sports Animals here on the Bobby Kern Show on ESPN Honolulu. Uh, Top stories over the weekend. The Rainbow Wahine volleyball team wins. They sweep. And the uh, not such great news for the Wahine basketball team, though, yesterday or this weekend. Yeah, they lose an overtime in a tough game yesterday. Florida Gulf Coast on Friday, a pretty good mid-major team, as we heard. For volleyball, though, by virtue of that win yesterday on senior day last night, they clinch at least a tie for the Big West regular season championship, which is the automatic berth. The worst they could do is tie with Santa Barbara if they lose both next week. If they beat Santa Barbara on Friday, it's over. They're in the NCAAs. Even if they were to lose, if they beat, I believe it's CSUN on Saturday, they would win the regular season title. So I know you don't want to wait till Saturday if you're the team. You want to take care of business and beat Santa Barbara. But they're in a good position right now, that's for sure, and that's a good thing. Yeah, the Rainbow Wahine uh, basketball team loses in overtime. They're down by six with like a minute and a half left. They come back, tie it, go into overtime. Um, they fall behind. They catch up again. But um, – they uh, end up losing yet a day in overtime, and that was a tough one. That Deja Phillips got into some foul trouble, and uh, she was not able to do what she usually does. So that was a that was a couple of that was a couple of tough losses for Laura Beeman and her gang. Yeah, and Friday, Florida Gulf Coast beating them by double figures convincingly, uh, and they'll be here next week playing them again, staying the week in, in on Oahu. But uh, this is a team that was in the Sweet 16, I believe, if I have it right. I heard Tip Wells talking about this in the pregame yesterday. This is a pretty good team, currently ranked number two in the mid-major poll for women's college basketball. So it might not be a big-name opponent like Stanford next Sunday, but it is a good team still. It was a decisive loss, and right now, unfortunately, they are 0-4. All right, and, uh, well, the University of Hawaii regained possession of the Ninth Island Showdown Trophy. Yeah, it was good to run over and get that trophy, the Island Showdown Trophy. and uh, nice it, You ran to- over to get the trophy? They ran over. It was you nice. said it was good to run over and get the trophy. Yeah, talk- like, I thought you were down on the field running over. No, for, for I thought I saw you. For change, well, you have to be there to see me, Chris. And you know, I'm not sure if you have. So uh, it was a good win for them against a team that I actually thought looked pretty good. I really was impressed with their quarterback, Rumfield. Uh, I thought he had a really strong arm, and I thought Hawaii's defense did a good job, uh, even though he had some decent numbers. I think this is the first. To- I know this is the first time in a while that Hawaii has outrushed their opponent. They actually had more rushing yards than their opponent. Too. Uh, it was 167 net and 139 for UNLV. That hasn't happened in a while. So give credit to the defense against a good runner in Aiden Robbins, who needed the 150 to hit 1,000. He got almost halfway there, but I thought Hawaii did a pretty good job on him. So defense did good, and I think Braden Shaker took another step forward. I think he had a pretty good game on Saturday night. You know, the numbers were pretty good. His completion percentage, one of his best of the season. No interceptions. So I thought he had a pretty good game. 
I wasn't there. Only you were there, Gary, so go ahead. Okay, well, what else do you want me to say? I thought the defense did good. I thought Parsons had a good game. <laughs> you know, Braden Shager, I think, is the guy. I think he's, you know, I think he proved it yesterday. I think he's going to be the going to be the guy moving forward. Um, you know, because he has, like you said, kept improving week after week. Right? He's gotten better. Part, yeah. And you know what? Some of those throws, people forget that. Braden Shager, he's got an arm. I mean, he's got arm talent. He's he can fire that ball in there when he has to. And um, I thought that some of those throws yesterday, again, a, a couple of frustrating drops that you just kind of shake your head at, and it's like, guys, help him out, will you? There's a few drops. You're going to have a few drops in every game. I don't think it was that excessive on Saturday night. I thought his receiver it did might a pretty be, good job. Yeah. It might be amplified just because, um, you know, because it's been a problem all yeah. year. I get it. But guys like Zion Bowen should not be dropping balls. A couple of times, sorry, it's hitting you in the hands. It's hitting you in the hands, and it's a well-thrown ball. you got it. If you're a Division One college football player, you have to catch those balls. Again, you say it happens in, you know, it, it does happen in, you know, in every game for every team, I guess. But it just seems to happen to us a little bit more. I didn't see a lot of dropped balls for UNLV. And maybe I'm not paying that close attention because it has been a bugaboo for Hawaii. Yeah. But it seems like it happens to us more than the guys across the field. It, it, ha- it, ha- it has happened too much. I guess we can agree on that. Uh, but, I, again, I don't think Saturday was one of those games, like maybe the week before against Utah State where they had more, even the Wyoming game. So I don't know if it's improvement or just good game by the receivers doing what they're supposed to do. But I, I was impressed with Shaker. And I know the fans have been over him. It seems like the last two weeks they've been easing up because they see this guy progressing, improving. That's something Timmy Chang did talk about at Call the Coach the other night, how mm-hmm. you know he wants to learn. He is improving. He has a good work ethic. So – I think we should, we a lot of people have been on realizing that he's been good and getting better. Not really where he needs to be to be the quarterback to lead us maybe to a Mountain West title, but I think he's better than he was in September, and I think that's key. Yeah. Think about the, the struggles of some of the games. When you think back where we were two months ago and where we are today, not just at the quarterback position, but as a uh, football team. I mean, it's like the light is coming on for a lot of these guys and uh, uh coach timmy talked about it he's been talking about it the last couple of weeks and you know i don't know what we expected uh, you know the, the beginning of the season before it started we're talking well i think we can go seven and six and get to a bowl game because that's what espn said and you know we get kind of caught up into it i think football fans kind of do that and when you come out and you score the first drive against Vanderbilt, you're going, yeah, all right, all right, the brotherhood. Oh, shaka brada, the brotherhood. But you know what? Uh, then it kind of all went downhill from there for a little while. Now, it turns out Vanderbilt is better than we thought they were. Um, they did get fined, by the way, a quarter of a million dollars for rushing the field. They can't seem to stop themselves from doing that. But Vanderbilt turned out to be an okay football, t- you know, better than the usual Vanderbilt we're used to seeing. And... Um, Hawaii went on to kind of, uh, you know, Hawaii's, it's just that one New Mexico State game that was really one that really pushed Hawaii back, right? I mean, it was like, we're getting a little better, getting a little, oh, what happened against New Mexico State? And the fact was that it was, the, the, the problem was it was against New Mexico State. It was against the team that's always horrible. And it's like, is this how far we've dropped? 
and it and that's where we were. I mean, think about that. Think about where our mindset was as fans, and it's got to be in the locker room when you get blown out by New Mexico State, and that's when we came up with the that's when the, we came up with the uh, the term. It's more than rebuilding; it's a major cleanup. And then every day, cleaning up a little more. Every week, cleaning up a little more, a little more, a little more to where we are. We're not going to a bowl game, but I'm happy to be. I'm happy. I'm so happy for the seniors that they were able to win on senior night as we move forward in this whole process. Yeah, we heard from three of the seniors Hunter used on the field for during the fans' voice, and you could feel the emotion in some of these guys, Michael Vanderpool and some of the others, and that was nice. And it's always good to have the seniors go out with a win, and I think that was the most important uh, part of the focus this week as the players talked about it after the game was sending them out. It's nice, you know, after what they've been through, especially a lot of these seniors with the last regime and even going back to Rolo, some of these players have had three coaches uh, so that that was a really good thing. And, you know, you mentioned New Mexico State, and I know they're really terrible. They're four and six right now. I don't know if they're going to make up the game against San Jose State. Technically, they're still fighting to be bowl eligible, which I don't think I'd ever say a sentence like that regarding New Mexico State. So they weren't as bad. It's just that they're not Fresno State. Fresno State, when you get routed, well, you know they're a really good team, going to play for the Mountain West Championship game. New Mexico State, not quite there, but they are a better team than they usually are. Still, that loss really stung. And then the close losses, of course, too. Uh, San Diego State, Colorado State, Wyoming to a certain extent, I guess, too. But if you win this game Saturday, and I don't know if they will. I know San Jose State is better than UNLV, and it's a road game. But 4-9 and nine from where they were at 2-9, and nine, I think, would be a lot i know it's a lot better you know statistically wise speaking but i think it would leave a better taste in everybody's mouth you have the end the season with two wins it's you're not getting double digit losses still not the season you wanted but it would look a lot better than it was looking a few weeks ago after the fresno state uh dominant win for them so i'm hoping they can really end it on a high note this saturday I'm not worried. Again, I'm not worried about wins and losses. Yesterday, I was watching, uh, the, uh, well, kind of paying attention to the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cincinnati Bengals. And if you're a Steelers fan, you know, it's not really at this point about wins and losses. It's can Kenny Pickett get better? That's what I'm looking against for against San Jose State is can this team get better? Because honestly, it really doesn't. You want them to win. You want everyone to win. They've been practicing all week. I get it, and I've been saying it. But I don't care. It doesn't matter if Hawaii wins against San Jose State. It really doesn't. You know, this is still another step in the process. If we play good against a team like San Jose State, that'll really be saying something. It would, but I think the win would take it even further. The fact that you can win a game against a quality team, a yeah. team with a winning record. They haven't sure. beaten anybody at the FBS level with a winning record, unfortunately. They've beaten the state of Nevada with UNLV and Nevada, and Duquesne mm. was the other win. So it would be nice to get a win against a team like that as well. And they're not playing for as much now. They still obviously want to win, but they're not going to win They're not going to win the West Division and play for the Mountain West Championship. Fresno State has already gotten that spot. So maybe mm-hmm. there will be a, a, little bit a, different, a little bit different focus for them, we can hope, maybe a letdown for them. Right on. Steve, thank you for dialing in at 808-296-1420. How's it going, Steve? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Hey, you know, I did some uh, homework here, and uh, this is quite impressive. Um, if you take Hawaii's first three games, the blowouts, Hawaii scored 12.3 points a game and gave up 56 points a game. So that was the horrendous start. And, you know, the, everybody was... Already after the coach's head. 
However, if you take the rest of the games before the San Jose State game, one more goal, and average the scoring average up there, Hawaii scored 22.8 points a game and gave up 28.4. I mean, that, I'm going to tell you, that is incredible. Well, it really you know, is. It, it's, you know? it's, and, and it's, and I don't want to pick apart your, your homework, but you also have to take into account who Hawaii played in their first few games. They played a, uh, a team like Vanderbilt from the SEC who may be going to a bowl game. They played against a good Western Kentucky team, and they played against a t- one of the top yep. five teams in the country. That's right. So that's why they got – that's one of the reasons that happened. So I kind of, you know – Well, it, it's the growing pains that we're going to have to deal with. Really, that's what it comes down to, Chris. What do you mean? It's the growing pains. The growing and, pains. And we all heard it. We all grumbled. We all – you know, hey, hey, this and that, you know, but as time went on, you're right. Brandon Shager, he really has improved, you know, or Brandon Shager. But I just wanted to throw those stats out there, you know, and uh, we and I'm, I hope we go up there and beat San Jose State. I really do. That's one game I'd love to see us win. All right. Hey, thanks for listening, and thank you. Have a great week. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, Steve. Uh, for dialing in at 808-296-1420. The Zephyr Insurance text line is open as well at that number. Seems like also we've been getting a lot of rain in the last few games where I know fans left in the third quarter, that downpour. And I, I thought, you know, you had to go to the running game a little bit more. You weren't going to pass as much. And Hawaii did a really good job. I don't think they missed a beat when the you know, ball got slippery, when the field got wet. It seemed like UNLV might have struggled a little bit offensively. But, again, I give credit to Hawaii's defense. Uh, I think they just did a really, really good job for the most part. against a team that, you know, they're just coming in with a five-game losing streak. And they, I, I had the perception before the game that this was going to be like a typical UNLV team because of the losses lately. Marcus Arroyo, their head coach, was on our show last week and said, well, they've just had so many injuries then, and they're healthy now. Looking at them being healthy, I thought even more impressive what Hawaii did to them. To have the point production of 31 points again, I think second time they did that in a win, the last one was against Nevada. Uh, and the defense really stepping up at some key time. That scoop and score made it really interesting in the fourth quarter when UNLV got that score to get within two. They missed the two-point conversion. But again, we talked about Hawaii not playing a full four quarters and not finishing some of these games. I think they closed out pretty good on Saturday. And Barton gets that touchdown run. That was kind of fitting for him to end his career like that. But it was good for them to play good in the fourth quarter because that's hurt them in a couple of those close losses like San Diego State and Colorado State, maybe even Wyoming. Yeah. All right. Uh, I want to go over some of the the key stats, which were big positives for Hawaii, coming up next here on ESPN Honolulu. Oh, Brent Sobleski is going to join us, talk some NFL coming up in a few minutes on ESPN Honolulu. One thing I noticed in the NFL, it seems like everyone's going, it's going back to the old days of the, of, uh, Lawrence McCutcheon running for the Reds. It seems like people are starting to pick up their running games more. Like they're going more towards balanced offenses. If you caught like the Dallas Cowboys uh, game yesterday, it seems more and more teams, Atlanta Falcons, the list goes on and on lately of teams that are really relying on the run to win football games. Hey, congratulations, Marcus Mariota, for the win uh, yesterday. That was kind of cool. But going back to the Rainbow Warrior football team and looking at some of the stats, one that really pops out to me, and I'm, it's it's really gratifying to see, 
Hawaii was 50%, 7 of 14, third down conversions. That was big. There was one point where on one drive, weren't we like uh, 4 of 4 on third down conversions as they were moving the ball down the field? Uh, I'm not sure which drive. It, might have, it could have been. I know they it was did a, a really yeah, well, good Yeah, and I know it was. I think it was like in the third quarter. I think it was in the second half when that was happening. But it might have been might have been 5 for 5. I mean, it was really, really impressive. They did do a good job, and uh, you know something where most of the season they've been right around 25, 30 percent uh, in the lower part of the of the FBS schools as far as third down conversion. So 50 percent is right up there near the top. That was a key. Right, uh, Hawaii three of four on fourth down. No, I'm sorry, I'm reading that wrong. Uh, three of four times in the red zone. So I guess that other, what other time did we not score in the red zone? I can't even remember. Uh, but I'm not sure. I mean, I, I think when you're in the red zone, you should be close to 100%. Because the worst you should be able to do is get a field goal if you're not going to score a touchdown. If you're on the 20-yard line, even after three right. incompletions or three stops on running plays, you still kind of have a 37-yard field goal after that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember the one time they missed, though. But I know they were doing a good job once they got close, that's for sure. You know what's a great play? That um, uh, uh, Logan Taylor's interception. It was it was like halfway celebrating the deflected pass, and all of a sudden he cradles the ball in his arms, and he, that was unreal. Yeah, another another key play, and you know Hawaii did a good job there. And I mean, that guy has just been fantastic. Right. I mean, you almost wonder where he's been all this all these years, and he's played, I guess, part of three years here. But I don't remember him last year, that's for sure. But I'm sure we're never going to forget him after the season he's had. He he had one of the best three-game stretches in the country. I think he had, like, I don't remember the tackles. I don't want to guess, but it was, like, double figures every game. And, again, I know he was at the top in the, all of FBS schools for a three-game stretch and didn't miss a beat on Saturday night again. Yeah, so this is his fourth game, then, that he's played in. No, he well, he's played in more than that now because Tufan No, 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 I'm, I'm, since he's been a full-timer. Yeah, this yeah. His fourth game? Okay. Yeah, it was that guy Austin. How do, how do you say his last name? Ajiaki or whatever the the um, the guy for uh, UNLV. Fifteen tackles. That guy had like eleven at halftime. Yeah, he was a good player for them, definitely. Well, that's an incredible number when you think about that. Uh, but for Logan Taylor, again, just really happy to see a guy like that step up. And I'm really even more happier that he's coming back next year because he's listed as a senior, but I guess he got the COVID year as a free year, so he will be back next year. Just imagine him for a full season, the numbers he's going to put up. You know, it doesn't show up in the stats, but Kahavai Welch had an excellent game, a sack at a key time. Andrew Choi had a very good game. I didn't realize that that was Zeno, Choi's brother. I guess I should have put two and two together. But there's a couple of guys on Hawaii who are going to petition to come back and play next year, guys who are listed as seniors. So hopefully they get uh, better results than Jerome DeRozier did. Right? <laughs> yeah, right, right. I mean, right. I'm not jo- I'm not laughing. I'm not saying that as a joke. I'm just saying that that guy got robbed. Hopefully our guys don't get robbed uh, on the football team. But um, Braden Shager for, for the game was I wanted to pull up some offensive stats, and I got my notes out of order here. Bear with me. Thank you very much. Uh, Braden Shager, 16 of 27, 202 yards, three touchdowns, and we did not have an interception, correct? No, he didn't have an interception. The only turnover, I believe, was a Tylen Hines fumble. Uh, other than that, no, Shager had a pretty good game. Uh, completion percentage, I'm doing it in my head right around 60%. Uh, but I thought he had a solid game. Just with the eye test, he looked good, and the numbers are better. Uh, good game last week, good game this week. Three touchdown passes has got to be the high of the season. It took us over a month, over four or five games for Hawaii to get three touchdown passes combined. 
and he does it in one game now. That just shows a little, a little bit, if not a lot, of the improvement of Shager in this offense since September. So, again, that's just, I think, a really good point. I don't think, again, the only games they've scored this kind of points was Nevada, and I'm pretty certain it wasn't three touchdown passes in that game. So, uh, another accomplishment for Braden Shager, again, trying to end the season on a high note. Other stats that you had turned, looked, at, looked at, Gary, there? Um, Diedrich Parson, again, a 100-yard game, uh, the 34-yard touchdown run at the end. And I've been saying this for like maybe six or seven games now. Almost every single game, it seems Tylen Hines will break one for over 20. Michigan, it was 54. That might have been the start of it. He had a 39-yarder on Saturday. This guy, for a freshman, I mean, it's going to be scary how good he's going to be. He has just shown so much talent, the quickness, the way he can make it around the corner and escape the linebackers. Uh, he has just done a really, really good job, and I can just imagine how much better he's going to get. He wasn't a big player at the beginning. I think it was uh, Bryant Lalay was going to be the backup then. I think he was the backup, and Hines didn't really play much the first couple of games. Now he's, he's good enough to start. That, that's what really stands out to me in the play of Tylen Hyde. Uh, Braden, you know, in this game, Braden Shager running the ball as well was something that we've been looking for. And I think that, you know, I, I'd love to see it a little bit more, even more. Well, how many carries did he have? Three carries. Um, and I'm guessing this is three carries, not two carries, but once he was sacked. Or something. Anyway, it, it actually might be like two carries and one sack. So it's three carries for uh, 18 yards, but he lost 27 yards for minus nine. I'm looking, not looking at the stats, but the plays is that Braden Shager actually took off a couple of times. That's what I'd like to see in a college quarterback is not just be a pocket guy, is to take off and escape sometimes or have a designed run. I believe we had one of those were designed quarterback draw they had he gained that was the one he gained 12 yards on that was really nice impressive and it was good to see him be able to do that maybe they should do that more i i don't think i've seen that i'm pretty sure i haven't seen that play all year long with a quarterback draw but even with that besides that he was able to take off and one sack unfortunately the sack was a strip sack strip sack and resulted in the uh the touchdown for unlv in the fourth quarter i don't know if i put that all on him i mean the sack i don't think he saw the defender obviously no. but other than that i thought he had a really good game and that run was pretty impressive yeah the quarterback draw was nice to see i believe in the second quarter of the game yeah yeah uh jalen uh i <laughs> walthall i always want to call him walt hall jalen walthall but uh five receptions 50 yards it was really kind of spread out Caleb Phillips was targeted four times. He got four receptions for 35 yards. One of those was key. Uh, Zion Bowens, two receptions, 60 yards. They tried to hit him a couple of times long, but um, let's see. The longest he had, the longest reception he had was for 11 yards. So it wasn't the typical Zion. He had a 55-yard touchdown. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Six, well, Wow. Oh, I got it. Okay, yeah. So they, they did have. They, I'm sorry, they did have uh, one of those, but they 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 tried. There was a couple of plays, I believe, in a row or a couple of times in a drive. They were trying to throw it downfield to him, not successful. Yeah, but overall, I mean, that, that touchdown pass was a thing of beauty, and he got wide open. A lot of those, yeah. all three of those touchdown passes, I believe, the receivers were pretty open. They just uh, got in good position. One, the UNLV uh, cornerback looked like he might have slipped a little. I think that might have been on the yeah. Phillips one, but still, uh, even if they didn't slip, I think Hawaii was going to be wide open. They did a good job getting separation and getting open all night Saturday. Yeah. Uh, they did connect on all of them, like you said, but the Bowens one was a really nice one, the 55-yarder. 
Right. Oh, and, and uh, Matthew Shipley had a 54-yarder. That was nice. He, uh, yeah, he had a good game. No, was... no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was that was in punting. Uh, Kicking-wise, yeah. I'm trying to see where we did on that. Did he kick? Wait. Go ahead. I'm just trying to find something. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Shipley had the field goal. Uh, did a good job there. But he also the punts were almost. And I heard John and Mark talking about it. Kind of remind them a little bit of Scott Harding, where right. I don't know if he was doing it purposely like that. But yeah, he, had, he well, was. He had one punt where it didn't do that at the end, where he just hung it up there. But the other ones were just kind of like bouncing ten, twenty right. yards, hopefully. And those were on those were on purpose. I mean, you can tell that he was doing the rugby style kick, if you will. And those, you know, a couple of those just kept rolling and rolling. And then there's and then. It, it wasn't like he was trying to kick it straight traditionally, and it rolled, and then he got one towards the end. It's just a different style of kicking. Yeah, I guess, but it was pretty cool to see that, and he had a good game, and he's had a good, really good season for Hawaii. Uh, UNLV had their field goal kicker, hadn't missed one all year, and he missed that 44-yard one, oh. I believe, in the third quarter. That hit the upright. Yeah. And that was kind of key for Hawaii as well. Yeah. Then he, I mean, he's one of the best kickers in the country. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, getting his first miss of the season, that's saying a lot. So maybe just finally seemed like a little bit of luck, and the breaks went Hawaii's way for the most part. I mean, the strip sack, again, and that fumble in the fourth quarter made it pretty interesting and made it a much closer game. But, you know, for for a change, Hawaii was getting receivers open. You know, I think they just did a good job in every area. No interceptions after having a lot for Shaker the week before. So it was nice to see almost everything to come together. I would say the, the most complete game for Hawaii this season. I mean, yeah. the Nevada game, they scored the same amount of points, 31. But I was more impressed with this game because every – aspect special team uh offense defense really played well throughout the game there was really no gap where they were playing poorly and again i think unlv had a pretty good offense i love their quarterback i thought he had a really strong arm and they did not look he put up decent numbers sure but i thought hawaii did overall did a good job and made the plays when they needed to at the end right uh doug bremfeld i mean big tall guy and just a whip of an arm yeah I thought he had a strong arm, could run and everything. And I know he missed like four games this year. I think they were all losses when he was out. But I thought he looked pretty good in Hawaii, did a pretty good job keeping him in check at least. I mean, he did throw for 288 yards, but it didn't seem like that in a way because they didn't really have any real impressive drives. And they didn't move the ball downfield like maybe Utah State did a couple of times. You never got the sense that they were going to run all over us. And that's something we haven't seen a lot in the last few weeks. Wyoming did a good job of that with their running back. Fresno, we know what they did, passing and running the ball. And Utah State kind of did whatever they wanted. But I thought Hawaii did a pretty good job containing them in every area. So that was great to see that a full four quarters for defense and offense. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I mean, Hawaii really came on in the second half when the offense really started to click. When you look at the the halftime score, 13-7, to UNLV is in the lead. You know, if you look at the drive chart, you know, they go field goal, punt, field goal, punt, touchdown. Hawaii goes, and you might have thought, and I didn't, I never thought this. If you just look at it on paper, you go, ah, here we go again. Hawaii scores a touchdown on their first drive. Then they punt, then they punt, then they punt, then they punt, and it's halftime. I never got the quite the feeling that, oh, this is really frustrating and, uh, oh, here we go again or anything uh, during that. I mean, they did end up, you know, in, um, you know, these going three. And I believe like once or twice it was three and out. But we were we were there. I, I mean, the defense was playing well enough just to keep it close at halftime. And then Hawaii, whatever they did, 
uh, whatever adjustments they made or whatever they did offensively, they really came out and played offensively in the uh, second half. was really proud to watch that. Yeah, 369 yards, not too bad. They did have more last week in that loss, but this is something we haven't seen in back-to-back games offensively maybe all season long, not back-to-back games. So I thought they did a really good job. Maybe, again, more so in the second half, as you said, but it never seemed like they were struggling as much as maybe some other some of the other games, at least in the first half, when they weren't scoring more than that one touchdown. Yeah, and it was it was, it was was kind of like the um, in the uh, third quarter, in the third quarter and then the beginning of the fourth quarter, UNLV has an interception, then they miss a field goal, then they in the, on the fourth down they give it up on downs. Hawaii goes touchdown field goal yeah feeling good fumble oh fumble oh and then touchdown and Hines had you said two fumbles in there I know Hines had the fumble I thought that was the only one but I know he did have one in the second half yeah there really was strong run I guess it was two in a row I'm going off of um memory wise I you know memory wise I, I don't remember at this point I mean I'm watching the Sopranos all over again because <laughs> I've forgotten everything that happens. It's kind of an advantage. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, they, uh, according to the drive chart, they've fumbled twice. Although on some of these stats there might be some mistakes because it said that UNLV did not score any points on uh, on um, turnovers, yet we know they had a scoop and score, so I would think that would be count as a point scored on a turnover. It has to be. It has to be yeah. the same play. So. All right, at 634, Brent Sobleski is going to join us next, talk some NFL on ESPN Honolulu. Another exciting, dramatic Sunday in the NFL. We're going to talk about it now with our first guest of the show. He's an NFL analyst for Bleacher Report, joining us on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline. Back with us, Brent Sobleski. Brent, I'll start with this. A week ago, Minnesota goes to Buffalo, and they win a dramatic game against one of the best teams in the NFL. Then they're at home against Dallas. I didn't understand why they were underdogs, first of all, and I certainly didn't expect 40-3. to How do you explain that? I wish I could, being, but I picked the Vikings to, to win that game, so I don't know. <laughs> it's one of those situations where it's one of those games you just bury and, or burn the tape afterwards and you just move on. But the reality is when you look at it, from the Dallas perspective, this is a team that's absolutely loaded, and I mean that as one of the best teams in the NFL at the moment. you you got Dak Prescott getting back in the swing of things after his injury. A wonderful two-headed running back combination. I know Zeke's been hurt, but you, once you get him back, then you have Tony Pollard, who's playing extremely well. They have weapons. Their offensive line's playing better, and that defense is special, particularly Micah Parsons. And so when you have all of that, coming together at the right time. You're, you're able to not only beat a quality opponent on the road, might I add, but also <laughs> just dominate them. And it shows to me a little bit of the, uh, the issues within Minnesota and, and what, they, what they can't do as a team. I think for most of the season we've seen Justin Jefferson play at an MVP level, and he's going to get his touches, he's going to get his plays along those lines. But when it comes down to it, if – if he doesn't beat you, then there's issues within the rest of the roster for them being able to do so, and they just couldn't hold up, particularly the offensive line against Dallas's front. 
I just thought with what Dallas did at Green Bay, losing in overtime last week to win a game like that yesterday, what a turnaround. And I think Minnesota every week was starting to make believers out of more and more people. And yesterday, I'm not sure about that. I heard a stat where they were the only or the first time an 8-1 and team was an underdog at home since 1976. So I wonder, is Minnesota as good as their record shows, or is it kind of a weak division this year, or somewhere in between as far as how good they are? Well, one of the things I've discussed in, in regards to Minnesota is it comes down to consistency, and I think you've alluded to that already. You you want people to believe in you, but you never really put it together full time. And yet we've seen it; we saw it for an extended period this year, right? You come with that huge victory off against Buffalo, and you think to yourself, "They figured it out. This this is now the team." Because you're not you're not necessarily as impressed with the week before against Washington, Arizona. You should be against Miami but you did falter against Philadelphia earlier in this year. So what you're thinking to yourself is from Minnesota, okay, now we have Buffalo. Let's ride the wave. Let's peak. And instead they had a letdown against a very good team, and that's the lack of consistency we've seen from that organization for a very long time. Still a good team, still likely going to win a division, still very much a threat in the NFC, but at the same time, are you putting them in that same status as the best teams in the league? And I would argue no, even with their victory over Buffalo in odd circumstances. (laughs) We are talking the NFL. Brent Sobleski from Bleacher Report is our guest on ESPN Honolulu. This is the Bobby Curran Show on 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. Speaking of Buffalo, Josh Allen, maybe up until three or four games ago, was one of the front runners for MVP as well as Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, maybe even Tua. He has really struggled of late. I wonder if he's 100%. Uh, or something else taking effect there because he's just not the same dominant quarterback that he was. It wasn't a bad game for him yesterday, but 197 yards, I guess, is an off game for Josh Allen. Well, it is, and it's one of those things we know there's an issue with the elbow. He's a little soreness, and it's going to have a little bit of effect. And one of the things when you are not uh, 100% healthy, one of the first things to go, generally speaking, are your mechanics, and you start falling into bad habits. I mean, let's be honest, there's been points – and last couple of games where Josh Allen made throws that made you think of Josh Allen year two, maybe, right, uh, in the way that he was playing in, in his developmental curve. So it, because of that injury, because of, of a little bit of breakdowns along the way, he's not playing as well. But what I will say is this when it comes to Buffalo, and this is not just Buffalo. This is applicable to um, the, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, right, the Kansas City Chiefs. Those teams were, this past weekend were reminded me of – like Alabama and Ohio State. And by that, I mean they're just better than everyone else. And even when a team's playing tough, you expect them to find a way to win. In most cases, they do, just because they're more talented from top to bottom comparatively. So I, I, even without Josh Allen playing as well as he possibly could, that team's still very difficult, and they have the pieces elsewhere to still win a game. And even in parts, made the Browns look uh, just laughably bad, particularly when their offense was on the field and – and Allen wasn't slinging it all over the place and still was moving it with ease. So it just shows me that they truly are among the elite in the NFL. I want to ask you about a team that's not better than most other teams, that is not elite, and it's the Denver Broncos right now. They lose a game yesterday where they did have the lead in the fourth quarter, a little less than two minutes left. Russell Wilson, with the Raiders with no timeouts left, throws an incomplete pass on third down instead of taking a sack and letting the clock run for another 30 or 40 seconds. Is he to blame partly for that loss with bad decision-making? 
I think he's a lot to blame for everything that's going on this season. It's just a lack of attention to detail from the coaching staff to the quarterback into the offense in general, that this they have not at any point this year been on the same page. It's not a cohesive mechanization from calling play to getting it relayed on the field to executing, right? And that's been an issue. So when you have a lack of situational awareness like in that moment, then it costs your team again. And we've seen that time in and time out with Denver. Is it an issue where over time it can be rectified? We saw Nathaniel Hackett relinquish play calling duties. He's trying to admit that there, that maybe he wasn't ready in a certain way. The Washington Bowl. Okay. Go ahead, Brent. We lost you there for a second. Yes. I was just about to say with him relinquishing play calls, it just shows that that team's trying to work their th- way through their offensive plan without on the fly, and it's not working as well as it should. One more question before we let you go, and we thank you for your time. I want to ask you about teams on the rise like the Washington Commanders. I don't know if they're a playoff team, but with Heineke as the quarterback, they've been playing better and another nice win for them yesterday. Agreed, and I think it's a smart decision. I, I, it's somewhat ironic that now we're three teams that have essentially moved on from Carson Wentz in three seasons, and I, I, you, get, you feel bad for him personally, but at the same time, you need a guy who can be reliable, and Heineke may not be – special he may not be lighting the world on fire but he's doing things that are necessary for them to help win games he can extend plays he's getting the ball into the hands of his playmakers terry mclaurin has almost 400 yards receiving over the last four games and he's uh, he's a potential superstar on the outside so when you couple that with a strong defensive front with their ability to play look you may be the worst team in the nfc east but that's actually a very good thing this year because it still puts you in the playoff hunt. so that's a team that i think that will continue to be competitive week in and week out yeah, it's been a fun ride. We've got a lot of interesting games coming up, including on Thanksgiving. Brent, thank you so much for spending a few minutes with us. Happy Thanksgiving to you, and we'll talk again soon. Well, thank you, as always, and happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there listening. All right, thank you. Brent Sobleski from Bleacher Report. He's an NFL analyst joining us on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. At Aloha Kia, you know a guy. Gary, I noticed you didn't bring up the Jets with Brent Sobleski. Well, you have to score a touchdown in order for me to talk about you on Monday, and the Jets weren't able to do that. The defense played good, though. I'll give them that. Defense only let up three points. That was embarrassing. Uh, Zach Wilson should not be a starting quarterback in the NFL. And finally, I see a headline back east saying the Jets have a quarterback problem. Really? Did you just find that out? I think they had a quarterback problem the day they drafted him. He is just so bad. Four of 11 in the second half. Somebody's tuning into the radio going, you mad, bro? (laughs) Zach Wilson, 9 of 22 for 77 yards. Come on. It's a season high. You know what? He ran for 26 yards. Not bad at all. He didn't throw an interception. That's the only, only thing you can say positive about. And it's not just this game. 
I mean, and you're, and you're answering questions for huh? the media after the game. That's, that's not bad for him. This game, he didn't throw an interception. He's done it another game. That's the best thing about his performance yesterday. But he's ta- the media's asking him if he put the defense in a poor poor spot during the game, and he said no, no. They punted 10 times yesterday. If you like punting in an NFL game, that was a game to watch yesterday. 17 <laughs> punts in the game, one for a touchdown with five seconds left, and that's all you saw in that game was punts. The if Jets had 10 of them. of the punts. Oh, I love if- a good punting game chris <laughs> you know the uh that whole that whole draft class of quarterbacks is not very good except for and i believe and he made another step forward justin fields yeah well, that's crazy because last year as a rookie 66, he might have been one of the worst 66 percent. he did throw a pick and one touchdown i was watching that game because of course marcus Mariota was playing now Mariota, by the way 13 of 20 131 yards and a touchdown he did rush for a touchdown as well uh, in that game, but boy, uh, Corderell Patterson, uh, Tyler Algier, the running back. I mean, eight carries, fifty-five yards. That's not bad at all. This is this this, and I'll say I've been saying it all along. Is I think the NFL is starting to, instead of being so pass happy all the time, you're seeing a lot of these teams just say, you know what, let's run the football. You saw it in Dallas against Minnesota. And, I mean, if you can't, it might be just because maybe people are having a harder time stopping the run. But remember how bad we were talking about how bad Chicago's offensive line was? Boy, they don't look bad anymore. They sure know how to run block. Yeah, if nothing else, that's true. Right. Uh, So when you look at Atlanta and they're dependent on the run, Marcus Mariota, if he has 200 yards passing, it might have been because they were behind by a lot because that's not what Atlanta does. It's not what the Cowboys do. Um it's what the Pittsburgh Steelers are trying to do. It's what the Cincinnati Bengals have been all about. It seems like there's a little bit of a changing of the guard. Now, does that mean you'll have maybe higher dra- uh, running backs picked higher in the draft? I don't know. They still might consider them a dime a dozen when it comes to the position. But watch this trend. It's going to continue as people find out that, you know what, we don't need, because of all the rule changes and everything they've done in the past, everybody started getting really pass happy. Well, people have figured out uh, our quarterback's not that good. Let's run the ball. Now, in Dak Prescott's case, that's what opened it. That's why Dak Prescott had such a great game yesterday is because they had a running game. Right, right. You are seeing a little bit more of it. And uh, for Marcus Mariota, going back to him for a second, the touchdown run, I believe, was in the fourth quarter. What a beautiful run. It was a 10-yard run, but he made some really good moves. Not a lot of quarterbacks could do that. And even the touchdown pass, I think it was only a two-yarder, but the way he escaped the pressure and threw that pass, it was really, really good. His numbers, again, 13-20, not that impressive. But those two touchdown drives, I thought Marcus was really, really impressive. And they are back in the playoff hunt again. Right. I, 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 you can't look at the stats. It's not he, He's not going to have it, – it, Don Coriel is not his coach. That's not what they're doing. So I'm not going to judge him by 13 of 20. And when you say, oh, it was a two-yard touchdown pass, not that impressive. Look, he drove them down the field. That's the it, impressive part. I said it Whether was impressive. It was a, oh, okay. It was really impressive, so, the pass he made. The, right. But his the thing that worries me about Marcus is the way that he runs with the ball. My gosh, if anybody comes near him, they're going to poke that thing out of there for a fumble. It's uh, it, it's not a very safe way to carry the football. You know, it's a great way to pick up speed in a short amount of time, but you better hope nobody's uh, running around you. We do have somebody on the phone here. 
Hi, John. How are you? Hey, I was calling because Gary was kind of complaining about the Jets. I was going to say, hey, how about my Chicago Bears? They got the leading offense in the league. The only problem is they're not winning any games. They have yeah, the leading offense you know what? in the league? You know yeah, what? So I think we're, we're, I, what is that? You know what? I think they're headed in the right direction. I, I like Chicago. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I am uh, almost 70 years old, and I'm saying this is like one of the first times that I can say we got a quarterback because we usually got everything else, but we never had a quarterback. Now we got one. You know what? And his, so. passes, his passes look good in the game. People don't realize how fast and how big Justin Fields is. I mean, this was the guy we were hoping for coming out of, where did he go, Ohio State, right? Yeah, he transferred right. from Georgia to Ohio State. Right, but coming out of Ohio State coming that year, I thought that he was going to be the guy. And it looks like he finally is, but it just took some time. But, hey, Bears fans, you're 3-8. and eight. Don't worry about that. Um, you know, just keep watching uh, Justin Fields perform. It's, it's fun to watch. Thank you, John. Thank you for calling in. Hopefully it'll be three and nine after Sunday because they got the New York Jets. But yeah, Justin Field, you know, up until a month ago, he was considered a, a failure, you know, a bust probably in the year and a half he played. But now he's considered maybe one of the better running uh, quarterbacks out of that draft class, which is pretty amazing when you think about that where he's come. And it just took for the Chicago Bears to realize, hey, he can actually run. Maybe we should try that once in a while. <laughs> the uh, I, you know what? Even though the Colts lost. You know, that's pretty impressive. I want to get into Jeff Saturday a little bit coming up next in our top headlines on ESPN Honolulu. Stories we're following today is, uh, well, the Rainbow Warrior basketball team had a win against HPU on the North Shore. A game that they were leading throughout. I think they were up 10 nothing to start the game. Shot really well. Everybody contributed. Kamaka Hepa with his first career double-double. That was nice to see as well. But uh, against the team that the game counted for Hawaii, it was an exhibition for HPU, but it was nice to get a convincing win the way they did on Saturday. Right, and, uh, okay, so that one went on. The Rainbow Wahine uh, swept, and that was in the Cal Poly game. They beat them 3-1. to one. I mean, we lost the first game, but, boy, that second game, what was it, 25-16, to 25-12, to 12, something like that? They dominated afterwards. It was a little close in the fourth game, but Hawaii took care of its business against their volleyball rival, Cal Poly. Yeah, this is the team that gave Hawaii their only loss this year in conference play. And I've seen this several times, a couple times in person when I've been there and reading about it, that after the second set, they go in the tunnel and the players meet. You know, they have a little bit longer intermission, I guess. And it seemed like they yeah. come out better prepared, fired up, and they really play well when the players talk about it amongst themselves. We asked Amber Igedi about it, about that when she was on our show about a month ago. So whatever they're talking about, whatever they're doing, it's really, really working because they do finish strong and close out these matches in impressive fashion. And now they control their own destiny again, a nice two-game lead with two games left. They just got to win one out of two on the road, and they are going to the NCAA tournament once again. It's official again. No conference tournament. It's only the automatic 
regular season champion that gets that automatic bid. So they really need to. They obviously need to win just one out of two now. Yeah, Robin Ahmed, she does a great job with timeouts and you know calling at the perfect time. Great job on challenges. She is a A one. Uh, she is an A one quality uh, Division one volleyball coach. We're glad to have her. Uh, the Rainbow Wahine basketball team stumbled, uh, losing uh, um, pretty big to on what was it Friday, and then yesterday Sunday uh, losing in overtime. That was tough. It's tough to drop those two at home yeah the first two home games and now they're 0 and four on the season I, I i mean i still think this team's going to win the big west hopefully if not they're going to be right there at the top we know how good they are and can be but they have struggled at least they came back yesterday and forced overtime uh just fell a little short in overtime but then on friday again florida gold coast just really had their way with them and again a florida gold coast team that is better than maybe people think not knowing much about it but hearing tiff and dave kawada yesterday talk about it on the pregame that this is a quality team still it was a dominating win. I don't think people expected that in the home opener, but things will get better. They started off a little slow last year, and we know how it ended. So yeah. I have full confidence in them. Uh, Rainbow Warriors not going to a bowl game, but we do own a rivalry trophy. The Ninth Island Showdown Trophy belongs to Hawaii. Yes, it's the Island Showdown Trophy, and it was great to get that back once again. I, I still think it was great to ruin UNLV season. I know the more important part of the week of the game was sending the seniors out on a high note, on a winning note, and they did that. But uh, it's nice to be the spoiler. For San Jose State, they're not really playing for a lot except the win, not playing for a right for the Mountain West Championship game. But it will be great for Hawaii to get that second win of the season. Uh, I, mean, uh, I mean, another win of the season, second game in a row to end the season with a 4-9 record. I think also that we talked talked about a lot of the players in the first half that had pretty good games and units, but the coaching staff, I'm, I'm really happy for Timmy Chang. And, you know, there, there are people who fans who are critical of Ian Shoemaker. I know he's faced criticism because the offense has struggled at times too often this season. But for the last few weeks, this offense has gotten better. And I, I think people should acknowledge that when they're going to be critical of a team or a player or a coach, also acknowledge the good. Because it's easy to say when things are when things are going bad, but I think the offense has done a good job. Uh, one fan pointed out in the fan's voice, well, they ran the play, they ran the ball three, three or four straight possessions on first down. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Our running game is stronger than our passing game. So I actually credit Ian Shoemaker. Uh, I, I know he's getting help from Timmy Chang, but I think the game plan, the play calling, was really good, not only this week, but even last week. You really can't argue with the offense at all over the last couple of weeks. They were doing well and getting better week by week. Fresno State happened, and they had a, a week where they didn't score until the last part of the fourth quarter or middle of the fourth quarter to the end. They got those two touchdowns. But other than that, they've been getting better week by week, and I think the offense, everybody involved, deserves credit. We talked about Shager, how much better he's gotten. I think Ian Shoemaker is calling a better game, and it might be because they're healthier as well. But this team, I mean, I wish they could start the season the way they're playing right now. Maybe other teams would say the same thing, but this is just a much better team than what we saw in September. And it was showing that even more and more every game. That's why I'm hoping they can continue that next Saturday against San Jose. Yeah, and uh, again, to me, it doesn't matter. I, I'm sure you want your team to win, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be all hoo hoo because if Hawaii loses to San Jose State, I will be go hoo hoo. I will uh, be you know upset. I guess if, the, if that's the word. If Hawaii goes backwards, because now you want to finish strong. Win or lose, you want to finish strong as far as your play out on the field. And then Hawaii goes into 
10% recruiting mode. Um, so if you're finishing strong, that'll help that recruiting effort heading into the offseason. Now, if you can somehow shock the world and beat San Jose State on the road, that I mean, imagine that. You win in your last two games. The only, And then, you know, the, of course, you know, you're recruiting guys and you're trying to get guys to come to Hawaii to play in front of a hopefully what will be a 15,000-seat stadium. I'm wondering if that deters some of your higher-quality recruits from coming here. I, I don't know. I hear people talking about it saying, yeah, it'll never happen. It'll never happen. It's a stadium. Blah, 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 blah. Uh, I, I don't know that for sure, but you know, I think that it, I, th- I just think that a, a win here would be huge for that. Yeah, and I don't think you would shock the world by beating San Jose, but it'd be an upset. It's kind of weird. Also, you look at the point spread. Last two weeks, Hawaii is at home, and they're giving eleven points, or they're getting eleven points in both Utah State and UNLV, both teams without a winning record at the time. Five-game losing streak for UNLV. Now they're going to San Jose State on the road, a much better team in every way you look at them, including their record, and San Jose State's only a 13, 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Why is it so close to UNLV? I know that's kind of a sidebar to the story, but I, I thought that was kind of unusual. But also, Chris, if Hawaii were to win on Saturday, they would finish no worse than fourth place or no worse than a tie for fourth place. Doesn't that might matter. not be a lot, but it, it I think matter. it does matter. You want to be in last place or next to last place? I think it, no. I think it looks a little bit better for the recruits as well yeah. if you're not a okay. bottom feeder. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But if you can just – I mean, if you can – it, I mean, that a win would go a long way, and I don't know if they're, they're looking at fourth place. I don't know if they're going, hey, fourth place. Who knows, you know, but, yeah. And then also you'd be a game in back of San Jose for third. I know that's only the last game, so that doesn't mean a lot. I just think, again, there's a lot of positives about uh, ending the season with a two-game winning streak. And to me, I'm right. not sure about everybody else, but I think it sounds better having nine losses than ten just because it's double-digit losses. <laughs> yeah, I guess. But uh, instead of talking about winning before we go there, let's not get too ahead of ourselves. This is still a rebuilding job, and you want to just go out there and play well. If Braden Shager is 16 of 27, I'm going off of memory. I'm thinking that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 16 of 27 for 200 yards. Can he go 18 of, you know, 18 of 25, something like that, and continue with the, you know, the great running game? Can the defense continue? Can Mecky Pay have a Mecky Pay game? If he continues his performance against San Jose State like he did against UNLV, that was unreal. Can Logan Taylor keep it up with 11 solo tackles? Can Blessman Ta'ala plug the holes so that linebackers like Panay Pavi can fly to the ball? So those mics and dogs can do their job. <laughs> I, I, I agree with that. And I think the other question that people are wondering about as well is the transfer portal once the season ends. I'll get more into that in a second. I know we have somebody on the phone. I didn't hear the name. Brennan is on the phone. Hi. Hi, Ernest. Ernest. How Ernest. are you, Sorry. Ernest? Yeah, yeah, good. Good morning. Good morning, Chris. You need some coffee. You need some coffee. You need a little happy juice. I'm going to get some happy <laughs> <laughs> But uh, that, that's a good comment that Gary was saying about UH. You know, they was expected to be in last place. So even if they're in fourth place, that's an accomplishment for Timmy Chang to do what he's doing with the team. You know, it's all positive. The only crappy thing is, is, you know, with the recruits, 
it's hard to get people to stay in Hawaii when Oregon or Ohio State or Alabama or Notre Dame, you know, being from Hawaii, if I had the opportunity to go somewhere else and to travel with no kids to worry about, no family to worry about, I mean, I can understand why kids don't stay. But even if it's only a 9,000 Stadium. I mean, that. I don't think that deteriorates them from going away. I think it's just the opportunity really deteriorates a lot of recruits going away. But at the same time, you know, it's really good for UH to be in fourth place, and I think they could be San Jose State. I really do. And they're going to play motivated because they know who's on the other side of the ball. It's a former teammate, and they're going to be hitting heads just as much as they did against their former teammates with Justice Devai and San Diego State. They played them tough. You know, all the teams, maybe Fresno State, not so much, but that's an elite team. We can't do nothing about that. They didn't forget that we whooped them last year. They're upset with us. That's why they beat us the way they did. But at the same time, too, hey, Gary, I agree with you. It's better than being in last, and it's only up from here on out. All right, thank you for calling in. Thanks, Have a Ernest. good day. You know, of course, you want to be. It's better to be in fourth place than last place. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, I'm satisfied if Hawaii goes out there and shows improvement, and maybe we don't get the win. I'm still satisfied with you know Hawaii playing better. That's all. I that's that's the you know that's that's what I'd like to see. If we get a cherry on top and beat San Jose State, yeah. But you know, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, I want them both. I want to improve and and get the win. I want to be a little greedy. Why not? Clyde, thank you for calling in at 808-296-1420. Okay, I guess I'll for you guys. Women's volleyball. Okay, the three games that Ige Naga didn't, well, didn't play, Hawaii uh-huh. won two and they lost one. When Ige Naga played, the two games they won, they, um, they won in five sets. When Ige Naga came back, those three games, Hawaii won in five. They won in three when she came back. And the game that they lost, when she came back, they won. Nobody said anything about that. You lost me. You're saying they're a lot better better when Taylor Ikenaga is playing. Yeah. You you see the difference? The two games games that they won in five, when she came back, they won in three. And the game that they lost, Cal Poly and and when she played, they won Cal Poly, right? Yeah, they lost to Cal Poly on the road. She wasn't at that game. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't matter. Like, the place I did, the, the first game that she didn't play, they won in, they lost, won in five at home. But when they went to San Diego, they beat them in three with her on with her playing. Yeah, well, she's definitely right. an important player, sure. Yeah, I mean, that's why she's a starter, I guess. But, hey, thank you for calling in. I, I, I love Talia Edmonds, though. You know, I, she, I mean, she comes in. Whenever she comes in, she does nothing but positive things. So is, you know, is Edmonds not Ike Naga? I guess not because Ike Naga's the starter. I don't think we lose that much with Edmonds, though. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, uh, you know, poo-pooing her play because she is a spark plug. Yeah. She's done a great job, and they, they, with only one loss, it looks like 
everybody who starts or even gets into the rotation has done a really good job. This team doesn't really have any weaknesses in this conference at all. I mean, that yeah. one loss was against a good team on the road. You're missing a starter, and those things happen. I mean, if they finish 19-1, and one, uh, I mean – and again, this, this is not, it's not a bad conference top heavy. It looks like Santa Barbara and Cal Poly are really good, and Long Beach State's not that far behind. So there's some good competition in this conference. And I know it's not a Power Five, but for Hawaii to go 19 and one, if they do last year, they were 19 and one. I mean, that says yeah. a lot about this team in conference and how every starter contributes. And remember, every starter is back next year. Every one of them. Yeah, I um, Braylon Akana got in a lot of. Uh, she got in a lot of uh, um, offensive opportunities. Uh, this past weekend, that was surprising to see. Kaylin Alexander, was, I mean, it was uh, the Cal Poly game on Friday. Amber has 17. Kaylin has 16 kills. And um, even Braylon Akana, 10 kills in that game. Uh, uh, yesterday against Bakersfield. Now, this is Bakersfield, but, um, you know, Amber has 16 kills. Riley Wagner, 11. By the way, I believe it was Riley Wagner. They had their uh, awards ceremony um i think it was friday or over the weekend saturday, something saturday. like that but the most valuable player was amber igd she won like all the awards it was like michael jackson at the grammys years ago <laughs> so amber igd won the most valuable player award best offensive player and best blocker now the best defensive player award went to taylee ikenaga and uh, the most inspirational player was Mylana Bird. So that was nice, the outgoing senior. Yeah. Most improved player definitely goes to Riley Wagner. So congratulations to those Rainbow Wahine. It's 16 minutes after the hour here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 1420 AM. And uh, let's see, coming up. We are going, a little later on. John Venary is going to join us next to talk more on this UH football. But um, coming up a little later on, Mackenzie Milton is going to join us. And Mackenzie Milton uh, nowadays, is the, he's gotten into the announcer business. He is uh, the UCF, Central Florida, UCF football pregame and postgame and sideline reporter. You can hear him Friday afternoons on FM 96.9, the game in Orlando as well. He's going to join us next hour. We'll be right back on ESPN Honolulu. Rainbow Warriors, owners of the Island Showdown Trophy. You know, it used to be called, when it first came out, like 2017, it was the Ninth Island Showdown Trophy. And the game is called the Ninth Island Showdown. Yet the award is called the Island Showdown. I don't get it. But anyway, uh, maybe John Veneri knows. He joins us. Of course, you see him on KHON2, and you hear him on ESPN Honolulu. How's it, John? What's up, guys? How's it going? Good morning. Good. Hey, John, did you realize that the University of Hawaii football team is undefeated in the games that they open up on defense? And they're also, uh, they're also the, um, the best team in Nevada. <laughs> yeah. 
So they got two good things going for them after as a result of all this. Yeah, they that's the first time all year long. I know you've talked about it a lot with not winning yeah, the point towards or opening up on offense, but that was uh, something that noteworthy. So maybe this Saturday that'll happen again. I want to start with Braden Shager. Well, we've talked about him often with you, and I know it's a hot topic, obviously. What was your evaluation of how he played this past week? Well, you know, Mark and I was were talking about it actually during the broadcast and how much we thought this game was kind of the light switch where, where he just looked more confident. He looked like uh, things just kind of clicked more for him. Um, and, and while he wasn't perfect, we kind of felt like this was his game. He was only sacked once, you know, and he, he stood in the pocket when he needed to. He trusted his offensive line. Um, he didn't make every throw, obviously. He was only, what, 55%. But, I mean, he, he did what he needed to do to get a win, I think, this time around. Whereas in the past, we, we felt like, oh, gosh, okay, he showed some bright spots, but when is he going to falter? And I, I really thought that he – he showed something this week, and and you know it's been gradual improvement. It's been it's been improvement where some people might not even be able to recognize how, how much he has gotten better. But I think it, the gradual improvement over the course of the season, obviously, it, you know, you're giving it this first year as a pass, but next year, you know, you're, you're hoping that he comes back stronger, bigger, faster, and faster also mentally because he's need, he needs to see some things, but. I think he gets the pass this year because of all the things that they tried to implement, you know, throughout the season. And, um, you know, I, I just really thought he played a better game. It was, he just looked better. Yeah, and three touchdown passes. Hawaii went about five or six games before they had three touchdown passes combined. So that, that was an accomplishment. Yeah. Can you maybe expand on, call the coach, you were talking to Timmy Chang about Braden Shaker. Uh, why is he still starting? And Timmy had some interesting answers just about his work ethic. Can you maybe expand on what Timmy said about Braden? Well, I mean, he did talk about how much he spends time learning learning the offense. And, I mean, if you're going to learn from anybody, wouldn't it be Timmy Chang? And, you know, and Ian Shoemaker is also a smart offensive mind. He's, he's done some things in the past, and maybe a lot – I know a lot of people are, are hard on him right now. But, um, you know, to, to learn from Timmy Chang and to actually sit down and learn how to read defenses better and what the different options are in a given play – that's what you really need from a, a team leader and a guy who's trying to learn the most he can. I mean, if you don't take advantage of the opportunity of having a record-setting quarterback as your coach and you ask him to spend whatever free time you might have away from class or, or uh, you know, the weight room, if you don't spend as much time with Timmy Chang watching film on an upcoming opponent or what you did in practice, then you've completely lost it. And Braden Shager has taken the most advantage of his opportunities and time with Timmy Chang out throughout the year from before even fall camp. And Timmy Chang has just loved sitting down and trying to teach Braden. Maybe he hasn't come along as fast as, as everybody wants, but he's learning what he needs to learn as, as Timmy Chang is still implementing more run-and-shoot, and here's the word, concepts, and, you know, I even asked Timmy, when are you going to get rid of the word concepts? When are we going to do that? He's like, well, we're running what we're running right now. And so hmm. uh, I think Braden Shager has done a fabulous job of being a student uh, of from, you know, he's the Padawan, Timmy Chang's the Jedi master. He's trying to learn whatever he wants, whatever he can <laughs> on, a, on a given day. I think it's great. 
John Veneri joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia Hotline talking UH football. You hear John and Mark this Saturday morning at 10.20 right before the 10.30 a.m. kickoff against San Jose State. And if I'm not mistaken, John, this is the first time in a long time that Hawaii outrushed their opponent, 167 to 139. That hasn't been the case at all in a while, if all, all this season. I think Hawaii did a really good job, again, where Parson and Hines have just done a fantastic job. Well, that, that one-two punch, and you know, and, and 70 of those yards uh, are, are from the, you know, are from a couple, two long runs from mm. Thailand and Diedrich. So, you know, you have that opportunity. But, to, you know, Thailand continues to impress with his, his rushing average. I believe going into the game, he was second nationally in eight yards per carry, um, which is just amazing. You know, here's the, here's the trick. Keeping a guy like Thailand Hines here in Hawaii, because you know people are hearing about his, hearing his name, they're seeing his highlights. Maybe not that night, but they're seeing it the next morning. Keeping him here and not allowing him to go somewhere else is going to be a, a kind of kind of a tough, tough thing. But I, he's definitely the kind of guy you can build your offense around next year. But Dedrick Parson continues to impress. You know, he faltered early on in the season, but he just continues. Here, here's the thing about the two those two guys. I think that competition is such a great thing and 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 it's lessening because of the transfer portal and because of NIL but when you have the competition of two guys uh, and it's not really even a competition it's more of you know teamwork those guys are a one two punch in its full sense in in the full sense of those words because when one is in you know he can do the job when the other one is in you know he can do the job it's unfortunate that Najee Bryant Lalay wasn't able to get the first downs that he needed when he was in there. Mm. But I really do believe that um, – and Diedrich's not 100%, by the way. He, 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 uh, it, it was unknown whether or not he was going to even start this past week because of some of the injuries he's been suffering. But I really like what I've seen out of those guys. And Diedrich, uh, uh, Diedrich Parson is one of those guys that, uh, who fumbled early on but kept his head up. He took ownership of it, said he was going to get better. He fumbled again, and even last week he fumbled the punt. Um, you know, and so he, he's a guy who continues to push through some of the adversities that he's had. I believe his last run as a Rainbow Warrior was that 34-yard touchdown, if I'm not mistaken. It was late in the fourth quarter. It might have been, but what a way to end your career. You mentioned something, though, John, I think a lot of the listeners and fans are curious about. You mentioned the big key for Tylen Hines is keeping him here. And fans are wondering about maybe losing players because last year we know the Hawaii football team lost a lot of players, probably for a lot different reasons. Have you heard or get the sense that there's going to be anything like that with starting players or players that play a lot maybe transferring out this year? You know, I certainly hope not, uh, but but it, but it's also one of those things where you know, don't be surprised if something happens. You know what I mean? I, I would hope that Tylen Hines and those guys are committed to this coaching staff. Clearly, there's some unknowns. What what changes in the offense uh, with the offense throughout the off season? Um, because I do believe that this team wants to try to push towards more of a run and shoot type offense. Um, so what changes uh, happen throughout the course of the off season? But I mean, I. Don't be surprised. You know, it's like it's better to just expect something to happen, and when it doesn't happen, then you're, you're then you're like pleasantly yeah. surprised. I I would say don't be surprised if you lose a couple of players. I would say it's probably going to be a couple of players that maybe aren't quite in the starting role or that maybe haven't seen as much playing time. Uh, you would hope that, and this goes back to what I was just saying. It, you know, it's it's rough across the country because the competition between players at positions is what makes guys better. It what's it's what motivates them to push harder. 
whether it's the off season or during your daily practice, you know, if a guy is not playing as much, he, he just, ah, I'll go to another school. It, you know, it, it kind of sucks. It does because you don't have that competition. You've got guys uh, leaving and, and just saying, you know, I'm just going to go to another school that I'll play at. I, I just really feel like some of these guys might go, um, but it really all depends on what we hear happens in the off season with this offense and defense. John Veneri joining us here on ESPN Honolulu, 92.7 FM and 14.20 AM via the Aloha Kia hotline. If you had a vote, who would you say is the most improved player from the Vanderbilt game to what you saw this past Saturday over those 12-game well, stretch? I, you've got to be impressed with Logan Taylor. You have to be impressed with him. And here's the thing. I don't even know that it, it was an improvement. It was just his opportunity to get some starts. You know what right. I mean? He he was behind the player, Tufanga, and but he, he got his opportunity to play full-time, and he has made the most of it. Logan Taylor, to me, has definitely showed himself as one of the best players in the conference defensively. And he's, he's you know, his five games uh, with his tackle count, it ranks up there with some of the best in the country. I I haven't looked at it. I'm actually working on that right now. I haven't looked at the stats, but... He's definitely, I mean, he's already surpassed uh, for the lead on the team. And so to me, he's been a huge bright spot for this defense. Offensively, um, you know, I, I really like what I've seen out of Jonah Pinoke. I know that he's been hurt and he hasn't been in the entire season. But every time you go to him, he comes through with a, a big catch or a first down. He definitely provides when you need it. Um, and so I, I like Jonah Pinocchio on the outside. And then, you know, again, my thoughts on Diedrich Parson not giving up. He could have folded, folded camp, and packed it up, and, you know, put it away after the first couple of fumbles early on in the season. And even, again, like last week on special teams, you know, it, when he's concentrating on running the football and getting first downs, he's, he's amazing. Tylen Hines, again. Uh, but, you know, you can't say enough um, about, and I don't say enough, unfortunately, about the offensive line. Yes, there have been some penalties on the offensive line, but to be sacked only 10 times throughout the season, um, that's pretty, pretty amazing. They, that, yeah. they rank pretty high, or I should say low, on the sack count um, as far as an offensive line allowing their quarterback to be touched. And so you've got to credit this offensive line for, for being able to do all the things that they've done this year. And they're very senior heavy, so that's going to be a, a, a thing to look at. And when we do finally talk to uh, Timmy Chang on Call the Coach, I will be asking him about um, his concerns, his needs, and, and who he's going after when we talk recruiting. Yeah, there's a lot of positives, though, as far as players that improve. That's good that there's a lot of names that you can bring up that shows how this team has done. Well, we've got to do this one more time on Saturday against San Jose State. We'll look forward to hoping and hoping to end the season with a two-game winning streak. We'll find out in a few days. John, thanks again for joining us. Uh, we'll talk to you. On, well, we'll talk to you on Saturday morning, I guess. Yeah, thanks, guys. I appreciate it, and go Bows. All right, thank you so much. John Veneri joining us here on ESPN Honolulu via the Aloha Kia hotline. At Aloha Kia, you know a guy. And you can uh, check out the guys uh, for Countdown to kickoff this Saturday. Big City Diner in Kailua. Somebody is going to win a trip for two to Las Vegas from Vacations, Hawaii. Also, they've got Modelo, Mega Modelos, 25-ounce drafts, just $7.00. Join the gang and root on the Rainbow Warriors at Big City Diner from ESPN Honolulu and Modelo. Last night I dreamt I was returned.
I'm looking at uh, I'm on I'm on Instagram and the folk at, at uh, Champs Sports Bar on Wiley. You've been there before, yeah. huh? Yeah. They got this. Uh, it looks like a blo- it's a Bloody Mary, and it's like Restaurant 604. They're kind of famous for their uh, Bloody Marys, but this, like this one at Champs is a photo of it. It has like a big piece of shrimp, like I see a th- bacon, and it has a cheeseburger slider. <laughs> wow. <laughs> A cheeseburger slider on a stick in the the uh, the um, in the uh, Bloody Mary. That's funny. Does it have a name it, for that? Uh, I don't know. Oh, I just okay. I just got out of the app. Uh, college football. You and Tanner were talking college football during the break with each other, and uh, I want to get into college football, college football playoff rankings, which are going to come out tomorrow. Also, high school uh, football big wins for. Waipahu and Punahou and Kahuku and others. Anyway, we got a lot to go over here still on ESPN Honolulu. Now, the Zephyr Insurance text line is open at 808-296-1420. We'll be getting to that as well. But uh, Georgia beats Kentucky, but it wasn't a blowout. It was a close win, 16-6. to What does that mean? Well, it was kind of an ugly game in a way, and Kentucky's been really struggling lately, so it's not as impressive as if they were ranked ninth in the country like they were two months ago. Georgia's had a couple of close calls. Missouri was one of them, but still I expect them to be number one tomorrow. Ohio State didn't exactly run all over Maryland either. In fact, they were trailing, I think, in the third quarter of that game. So I think the top four are going to stay the same because Michigan and TCU barely escaped. So Georgia, even though it wasn't a dominant win like they've been used to, I don't see how anybody goes ahead of them. It's really going to come down to championship Saturday. Now, unless yeah. one of these teams has a big slip-up. Like, Georgia has Georgia Tech this week. Georgia Tech actually could be a bold team if they win. I don't well. think they're going to win, though, because they've had, they're a pretty bad team, but they're 5 and 6. If Georgia takes care of business. Uh-huh. Well, let's get back into You mentioned Ohio State beating Maryland. Now, if Maryland was leading in the third quarter, it might have been, well, they couldn't have been leading in the third quarter. Uh, yeah, I guess they could have like thirteen to Maryland was leading at the half, thirteen to ten, and then they got blown out in the second half. But losing only by thirteen—that's pretty good for Maryland. By the way, Talia Tagovailoa was twenty-six of thirty-six, two hundred ninety-three yards and two touchdowns. So let's go on down the list here. Now Michigan beats Illinois, but only by two, and people look at that and they're going to say. Wow, you barely beat an unranked team. The unrankedness really comes into play here. Well, Illinois, if they're not ranked, they were ranked like a week or two ago. So actually a pretty good team this year. But, yeah, still a very close win. And they they were fortunate to get the ball back at the last uh, part of the fourth quarter to get that field goal. But Illinois, is a they're a a 500 team in Big Ten play, 7-4 overall. Uh, maybe they had a couple of big wins in the Big Ten that made them nationally ranked, but, yeah, they're not. That's the point. When you just look at it on the surface, you go, oh, not nationally ranked, you know, 4-4 four and four in the Big Ten, and they almost beat Michigan. Baylor has struggled this year, also 4-4 four and four in Big 12 play. TCU wins. Ah, they win by one. And they were- You know what? And you can bet. I wonder if those voters are going to hold that against. They don't. They won't hold it against Michigan, but they hold it against TCU because they don't want TCU there. In some people's minds, maybe TCU doesn't belong, and they'll look for an excuse to vote TCU out 
and somebody like LSU in, maybe? I don't know. I'm well, the voters maybe. yesterday had TCU still number four. As far as the playoff committee. Th- those, well, that's the AP poll. Yeah. Those are the voters. Uh, mm-hmm. I think also with Michigan, you give them a little bit of a pass because their star running back, Corum uh, was out for half the game. And I think mm-hmm. if they have him for the full game, who might be a Heisman finalist, actually should be. That's a right. difference. They're probably a different story in that game. Okay, but okay. So how does it work then? If the the isn't the AP poll separate from the college football yeah. playoff rankings? Yeah. I mentioned the voters in the college football playoff rankings. That's what I'm talking about tomorrow. It doesn't matter where the AP voters put you. Yeah, but I don't. But I don't think they vote in the college football playoff right. That's why I thought you meant the AP people. They just have the What do they do? I think the committee just together gets together and discusses. I don't know if they have an actual vote and put people. Oh, in there. okay. I, maybe vote's the wrong word. What okay. I'm getting at is where the college football playoff committee ranks these players. So team. I don't know. think though. I don't think uh, to teams, me at least. Yeah. I don't. I don't think you're going to have a, a team that's undefeated leading their conference, a Power Five conference, drop even though it was a close win. I mean, they didn't. Lose I wonder. Under- yeah, but I, I mean, want that's that's possible. my question. That's what I'm questioning here is is do they allow somebody like TCU in or are they looking for an excuse to bring in somebody a, a Big 10 or 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 um SEC team? I think I it's definitely possible. Of course it is. I would be mm-hmm. surprised. I think it'd be the wrong thing to do and I, I just don't think they'll do it because if, again if you're undefeated uh, and you didn't lose, and you didn't barely beat a bad team. You beat a good team that's having a struggle this year in Baylor, but still not a bad team. But you're also able to come from behind and win that game. Where the, I mean, USC had a very close game against U, uh, UCLA. They right. won by three. Uh, yeah, LSU, both teams had to come from behind. Yeah. I, I get that. But it's it's Baylor's not it. You can't say they're a good team. They just have a bad record. I said bad playing. record. I said having an off year. Like they're seven and four, yeah. I believe. Right, but, but that's what you got to go off of. You can't go off of last year's team. I, I know, I know, but I'm saying they're six not, and five, by the way, and, and they're five. four and yeah, six yeah. and five and four and four uh, in the Big Twelve. So they'll just barely get to a bowl game, I guess. Yeah, well, they're bowl eligible. They'll certainly go. I don't think TCU will drop. I think it was still impressive that they were able to do this. When you're undefeated, but it's also been noted there hasn't been a Power 5 conference champion that's undefeated that hasn't been in the 14 playoff. That hasn't happened. So, I mean, I know TCU is – I mean, look at Cincinnati last year. They were undefeated. They get in. Uh, TCU is in a Power 5 conference, maybe not a real strong one, but I think if they run the table, well, not, you know, for the last two games and beat, I think it's going to be Kansas State right now in the Big 12 championship game against them. I, th- I think they'd get in. It'd be hard to put a two-loss team in LSU over TCU. A, LSU beat UAB over the weekend, so that game almost doesn't count. They're going to have to beat Georgia to have a chance to get in, and we know that no two-loss team has gotten in. If they beat Georgia, they'll have a chance. They lose to yeah. Georgia, they're done. I, what I wonder about is if Michigan loses, because Michigan let's, Michigan or Ohio State have to lose. If Ohio State loses, I don't think they drop out of the top four necessarily. But if Michigan loses, they do drop out of the top four. Who gets in over Michigan instead of TCU? To me, is a big question. And I would have to. So yeah. say Michigan loses, they're at three now. They're out. TCU would move up if they went out to number three. I don't know if it's either Number them. four won't be Tennessee. They got blown out, and Hendon Hooker's gone, by the way, for the season. So unfortunate. Say LSU loses to Georgia. USC. Yeah. 
USC and even Clemson. We don't like Clemson, maybe, but they've only got one loss. It was a, to a ranked team, badly to Notre Dame. But if they win the ACC, if USC wins the Pac-12, I think it could be either of those teams leapfrogging Michigan. I'm not sure where TCU would be if they'd be three or four, but I think one of those two teams, USC or Clemson, could get in. Clemson's got to get. I mean, Alabama beat Austin P. They're number eight. They're not going to move down. USC's not going to move down. LSU's not going to move down. How does Clemson jump up five spots? Even if they win the ACC, if USC and Clemson win out, I would think that USC gets in ahead of them. Probably so, but the way they could move up is because, let's say, Michigan loses, let's say LSU loses, and maybe a USC loses. Yeah, I don't think they would get in over USC necessarily, but if those other three teams lose, they could get in. Yeah. All right. Well, Georgia Tech, you mentioned they're going to Georgia, trying to be bowl eligible against Georgia. They beat North Carolina. How about this, though? Um, Oregon over Utah. Now, it's a home game for Oregon, and, you know, it's not going to mean anything in the college football playoff rankings, but it just goes to show you what kind of year the Pac-12 is having. Yeah, they're definitely having a good year, and I know people have said they've been down the last few years, and if they say that this year, I think they're totally wrong. With all the ranked teams they've had, and UCLA was undefeated for a while, UCLA, USC, Oregon, and Utah are four really good teams. So I know USC's in the Pac-12 championship game. I believe it's going to be against Oregon. The winner of that game should have a chance, even though Oregon's down, I think, at number 9 or 10 in the AP poll. I'd like to see them get a chance. And I I think, again, we know that a couple of teams... Oregon's 12th in the AP the eight poll? Yeah. Yeah, they're 12th. Oh, they're 12th. So it was a minor upset, but, I mean, 10 and 12, Oregon's playing at home either way. I just want to get a couple of upsets, uh, notable upsets. Lane Kiffin, Ole Miss, loses to Arkansas 42-27. to I mentioned the uh, Georgia Tech win on the road over a number 13 North Carolina team. That was, uh, was kind of cool. And Rutgers... Falls to Penn State, fifty-five to ten. Yet Rutgers sets a uh, they set a uh, they set a, a, a NCAA record. Do you know what for? No, I don't. The I most don't. the most punts in a game. <laughs> More than the Jets. I the, the, the most punts in a game. I don't. I got to find the number. Bear with me because it was a record. Uh, it was a record. And I gotta look at team stats. I would think for something like that, right? Yeah, I'll get that. I love a good punting game, obviously. But yeah, that's I didn't realize that. That's not a record you want to be part of, I guess. But and Penn State's a team nobody talks about. I know they're not going to go anywhere in the playoffs, but they're they're not sexy. They, they lost to Ohio State and Michigan. Those are their two losses. Not bad losses at all. But you're right. They're not they're not sexy. No, not not enough sexy wins. But they're a good team right, as well. I'm going to get that number coming up here on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, your new home for Monday Night Football, Dixie Grill in IAEA. Yep, tonight, San Francisco 49ers visiting the Arizona Cardinals. And you can check out all the action tonight at Dixie Grill. You can score 32-ounce Bud Lights for just 6 bucks. Enjoy complimentary popcorn, southern-inspired football poo-poo, Actually, hear the volume of the game while you're watching it. <laughs> and then afterwards, from 7 to 9, you can win all kinds of prizes. It's Trivia Night at Dixie Grill, hosted by Geeks Who Drink. And uh, we'll have more coming up on ESPN Honolulu.
What a uh, uh, high school football game. Was it uh, King K. Kaulike? Which one, who beat IAEA? Was it 27 to 24? Field goal as time expires. What a Kona what a, Kona Wina, thank you. King K. Kaulike won too, but that's a, something else. But uh, Kona Wina, yeah. Man, we knew there were we I we knew if you listen to Josh Pacheco talk on his uh scoring live uh, radio show that he does um, and he's been talking all year long offensively, Kona Wina, Kona Wina. They come to Oahu, and I is tough, man. That's a tough football team. I'm glad I wasn't a uh, – I'm glad I wasn't a <laughs> an IAEA parent watching that game because that is just heartbreaking. You know, they had a great – you know, that Kona that game too. So IAEA had to go to Maui for the first game against Lahaina Luna, then go to the Big Island and face Kona Waina on the road. But, uh, yeah, IAEA had a yeah. really good year, and we've heard good things about Kona Waina. I guess they are legit. And both games ended differently than I thought they would. I thought it was going to be Iolani and IAEA in the D1 championship in both of those. Yeah, but I wonder if lost. people just thought it was going to be Iolani because Iolani has been a powerhouse. I mean, Waipahu was a team that can really score, too. How about Punahou over Mililani? That was that was a drubbing. That was a drubbing. Way to go, Buff and Blue. So much for home field advantage, huh? Yeah, and the uh, <laughs> that's true. The so now you got Punahou and Kahuku coming up here on ESPN Honolulu, and Punahou gave them a, not on e, well, I guess it'll be on ESPN Honolulu, but uh, coming up, and that's a game that's it's. Kind of a rematch, something that Punahou has been waiting for all season long. This is going to be a, hopefully, this is a repeat of the last game. And whoever wins, wins. But, I mean, just a tough, tough football game. I can't wait for that. Should be good. They lost by two last time. We'll be right back with our top stories coming up on ESPN Honolulu. All right, top stories with the sports animals on ESPN Honolulu. Oh, by the way, Mackenzie Milton and Mackenzie's dad, Mark Milton, are going to join us in 20 minutes here on ESPN Honolulu. Mackenzie now in the broadcasting business. I want to talk about that. Top stories we're following University of – it's not that huge a story, but University of Hawaii men's basketball team uh, does beat HPU convincingly on the North Shore this past weekend. Yeah, nice win. It was something they wish they should have done, especially after Monday night's game. It's nice to get a win under your belt. Remember last Monday they lost to Yale in overtime. And I think, you know, you get yourself 
first of all, you didn't want to have that much of a break. This time of the year, you're usually playing at least once a week. So it was good to have that game against a team that, you know, fought hard, but talent took over. I think it was also good. But Hawaii scored a lot of points in the paint. I think it was like 49 or something like that. So they, they did something they need to do. And I think for a guy like Bernardo da Silva, as an example, who has at times a problem finishing some of his really good moves to the basket, I think maybe a good confidence boost boost for him. You see Kamaka Hepa with a double-double, uh, his first one as a Rainbow Warrior. So I think you accomplished a few things in that game. Only 11 turnovers. Guys got to play. And I think also playing in a venue that you're going to be playing in next week for the uh, Patty Mills now North Shore Classic. Hopefully that'll help them get acclimated a little bit more. I heard that Arena, Cannon's Activity Center, uh, has a couple little uh, unique areas there on the court. Unlike the old Boston Garden where it's not dead spots, but it's the opposite. It's pretty springy in certain areas. So maybe they get a little used to that as they'll play their next Friday and Saturday. All right. Uh, let's see what else. So the Rainbow Wahine basketball team, a uh, couple of losses. They're 0-4 on the season now. Not the start that the Laura Beeman and her gang wanted to have. No, and I mean, I hope. That it's going to be like last year in this aspect. Last year they had a slow start. They played, you know, a couple of really tough teams, as they all always do, like they'll do with Stanford this upcoming Sunday. But when conference play started and people thought, well, it's not going to be a great year, they they did great in conference, winning the regular season and, of course, the uh, conference tournament. Hoping they can do that again and maybe look back on this and feel like maybe this 0-4 start helped them in some ways, fighting through adversity, and didn't hurt them at all. That's what I'm hoping for. And I, I know this team is better than their record shows. All right, University of Hawaii football team wins the Island Showdown Trophy. And, uh, hey, you know, we're not uh, going to have a winning season, but at least we got, the, the in uh, my mind, the coolest trophy that uh, that's out there. And if you can get the Dick Tomey Legacy Trophy this upcoming Saturday and you get two of those four trophies, two wins to end the season, I think it's just going to leave a better taste in everybody's mouth than it was a month ago, especially after the Fresno State loss, Wyoming and Utah State. So really fun on on Saturday, last home game, of course, and I think Hawaii really clicked and played their most complete game of the season. And the offense has really stepped up to maybe match the defense's effectiveness, and hopefully that will continue this Saturday against San Jose State. The Zephyr Insurance text line is open at 808-296-1420. Here's one that says, Shager has improved, but he's not a runner. Next year, Chiave Sangapolotelli will be the future. Incredible upside, both passing and running, not to mention any QB recruits Chang picks up. Uh, we must move on from Shager. I don't want to give up. I don't, I, don't say, I don't think we give up on the guy. The guy has learned a lot. And from where he started to where we saw and those throws and the arm that he has, sure, I'd like to see him run a little bit more, uh, be more of a complete college football quarterback. But I don't I, – I would say that going into camp, your starting quarterback would be Shager, and someone's got someone's to take it, the, the position away from him. Totally agree. I don't think we have to move on from him based on what he's done the last few weeks. I, I don't like that perception, and, the, and his play on the field shows that. Timmy Chang, on call the coach the other night, was talking about him. And in addition to what John Veneri told us last hour, Timmy also noted, hey, Colt Brennan was 5-7 and seven his first year. Did people want to get rid of him? Now, Timmy didn't say the last part, but he noted other quarterbacks in year one 
weren't really successful. And Shager, don't say last year was his first year. He started three games. Totally different coaching regime. you got a different yeah. playbook. You know, this guy's only a sophomore, and the fact that he's improved this much, yeah, I, I'm hoping he can continue that and prove everybody wrong, all those naysayers, because he right. does look good now, and I think, Right, I totally agree. Going into camp, even though you have a high school senior who's doing really good, it's a big difference going to D1 FBS football. So we'll see oh, how yeah. the quarterbacks do it. Like John said, Veneri did, uh, John Veneri, competition is going to help everybody. So maybe that'll be a good thing. All right. What quarterback have we seen at the University of Hawaii go from high school to his freshman year and dominate his quarterback? Timmy Chang had a hard time. Timmy had a yeah. hard time his freshman year. People were booing him. You remember at Aloha yeah. Stadium? Oh yeah. You know, I hope I hope he's not listening. But I mean, he threw a lot of interceptions. It's it's he's growing into the position now. Timmy started because he went from the run and shoot to June Jones in the run and shoot, so he was able to start. Uh, Sagapolutelli, this guy, sure he's good. Oh, he was awesome. What an awesome year he had. But you can't anoint him the starter division one college football before he's even graduated from high school it's he's not that type of player and the Bra- i agree the braden shaker we have today is a lot better than the braden shaker in september and even half of october so yeah i give this guy a little bit of a not much a pass but I, I acknowledge what he's done successfully the last month or so yeah all right uh let's see on to the nfl harry texts in he says as a Steelers fan yesterday, it was painful. Similar parallel situations. You fall behind uh, too late. You fall behind big too late in games, plus untimely mistakes, and they ran out of time. Yeah. You know what? I thought, and I didn't see the game, but Steelers fans, wouldn't you agree that um, the quarterback play was better? Didn't Kenny Pickett do better in this game than he has in some of the past? I think he did. I don't think they ran out of time, though, either. I don't think they were going to win the game the way the fourth quarter was going for them. Cincinnati was pulling away and doing a lot better. Uh, but yeah, it, Pickett- was, it was 30. They lost by a touchdown. I didn't see the game again, so I can't really comment on it. But they lost 37-30, to 30, so it wasn't like they got blown out. But they got a late touchdown because they were down 37-23 midway through the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and I thought Pickett looked a little better. And, you know, the, the national TV switched to that game uh, because the Minnesota-Dallas game was such a wrap. But it was an exciting game, and Pittsburgh's offense had one of their better performances. It was Harris who got the touchdown run with less than 30 seconds left, I believe. But yeah. Pickett, I thought, was a little bit better from what I saw, and the numbers were a little bit better for him as well. So he's a guy that Derek- – mm-hmm. I'm sure Pittsburgh Steelers fans, some of them might be saying, well, you know, he hasn't done a lot this season, but he's gotten better. He's a rookie, and it's almost like Shager in a way. He's gotten better throughout the season, I think. The uh, Najee Harris to the hurdle is Derek Thomas to the stiff arm. I mean, those those guys will be known for that. I mean, since Najee Harris came into the league, you see a lot more people trying to hurdle people. That's a Najee thing. He's the guy. I love that. I wish that was allowed in high school. I know it's not. It's a penalty when that happens, but I like that play. It's a great play. Smart play. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, let's see. What else we got here on the Zephyr Insurance text line? If you took the under in the Jets game, no sweat. Easy winner. Thank you, Brandon. <laughs> I noticed we haven't talked a lot about the Jets today. Were we avoiding that topic? Well, I, I don't want to talk too much about the New York teams. You know, it just it was bad. It was so – Belichick has beaten them 14 times in a row. 
uh, Zach Wilson should be demoted. Uh, he is just that bad, and I, it's just really bad. You, you had a chance to be in first place. Oh, I mean, winning the tiebreaker, at least now, over Miami if you won yesterday. And now I'm hoping they don't just start losing to everybody like Chicago and other teams. They do have Minnesota coming up, but, yeah, that was – pretty pretty bad i mean the offense was non-existent in that game not all on zach wilson but a lot of the blame should go to him and he should have handled it better when the receivers are complaining about him instead of saying yeah that's on me which almost every nfl quarterback's going to do they're going to take the blame <laughs> he's saying yeah we got to do better he's almost talking about the receivers more than him he didn't take he sounds any like of the blame aaron rogers he sounds like aaron rogers but no, it's all someone else's fault yeah or it's the media's fault Nothing's my fault. Yeah, he, he uh, did not handle that well during the game, didn't handle it well after the game, and he's going he's gonna to be reminded of that. Uh, hopefully well, he's, he's, a new, back. he's a New Yorker, and that's how New Yorkers are, I guess. Uh, here's one. Gary, please rank the following teams in order of how bad they really are. Jags, Broncos, Raiders, Jets. I'm going to be honest. I think the Jets are better than – the other three teams i i think denver to me denver's at the bottom because they had so much hype and potential with russell they've got the best quarterback of that group well i mean Derek carr is really good too but the fact that they have really good quarterbacks Devontae adams had like four catches yesterday but two for big touchdowns they should be better as well i'm going to actually have denver and the raiders at the bottom of that because they should be much better than them for jacksonville they're almost kind of where you'd expect them to be. I mean, I know they want to be better. And Trevor Lawrence, I think, is better or get let me better. Start, let, me, let me start all over again. Gary, please rank the following teams and how bad they are. Not okay. to where they should be, how bad they are. Okay. Jags, Broncos, Raiders, Jets. Okay, the I worst of... team there is who? Denver and then the Raiders, as I said. Denver and the Raiders. I think the Jets uh, are the best the of And then the Jags. Game. Yeah, I yeah. think the Bronc. I think the Raiders are a better team than Jacksonville. I also think the Broncos are a better team than Jacksonville. Um, Jacksonville's just not there yet. I think Jacksonville's better off now than they were a year ago. And the Jets aren't bad. They shouldn't be in. They shouldn't be in there. They got a bad quarterback. But the Jets are. You know, they, this is a great year for the Jets. I wouldn't even include them. I wouldn't even include them in those four. Yeah, right. I agree with that definitely. Uh, are there any other teams you would give a below D grade in in the power rankings? A below, below D, D minus or F in the well, power how, rankings? How do you not put Houston in there at one eight and one? First of all, no matter what their situation, I mean they're an awful, awful. Even Lovey Smith said yesterday, I forget the exact quote, but he was saying we're just really bad right now. Word to that effect. Uh, yeah, they're, they're probably the worst team in the league right now, not just by their record, but by their play. That bad. So I think that, the Raiders. I think the Raiders are a good football team. I think they have a bad football coach. There is way too much talent on the Raiders for them to be that bad. I think they got a horrible coach. He can't coach. McDaniel can't coach. It's been proven before. And now he's proving it again. Yeah. I'd rather have John Gruden there. Oh, totally, totally. I mean, McDaniel has not done a good job. I mean. They've, they've got talent on their team, as you said, where Denver has a Russell Wilson. I think it's more – I don't know if it's just the chemistry or they're just not on the same page uh, with the offense there. Yeah. And he just had an off Gosh. year where, Den, where the Raiders do have talent on the field. Uh, I think it's the coach as well there. Uh, for, uh, uh, for Denver? 
Well, no, for the Raiders. I, I agree with you about Josh McDaniel. Oh, they should be better. But, and they've, they've lost three games where they had 17-point lead. That's not all on the coach. He hasn't done anything to help them or take them to the next level at all. What has he done yeah. to improve this team? Nothing, it appears. I think, that, I think that the Broncos could be better, and I don't know if that's on uh, Nathaniel Hackett or is that on is that on Russell Wilson? That, that I can't tell, but Russell Wilson looks bad. It's like he forgot how to play football all of a sudden. There's got to be more to it, but that's what it looks like on the surface. And the play he made yesterday was stupid. I mean, they're up by three, fourth quarter, less than two minutes left. It's third and long, I believe, and he throws a pass. Now, Nathaniel Hackett said it was a pass play, but we'd rather take a sack in that situation. If you're not going to complete the pass and the Raiders had no timeouts left down by three, you take the sack and you let 30-something seconds run off. That was right. dumb. And this is for a Hall of Fame-type quarterback. To ha- I mean, it's one thing for the head coach as a rookie to have some time management issues, which he did earlier this season. But for Russell Wilson to do it, this was on him for yesterday. Not the whole game, but the play at the end to force overtime. He helped the Raiders get that accomplished with that last-second field goal. Mm. Uh, i got another text here. It says, I concur with the caller that said we need a QB. Somebody else does not uh, thinks that the University of Hawaii. I say, you know what, maybe we do, maybe we don't. But I say from where he's been to where he is, he deserves a chance. And he is your starting quarterback. Um, I, I mean, there were people that didn't like Timmy Chang as the starting quarterback. They were booing Timmy Chang way back in the day. And he turned out to be, at the time of his, you know, by the time he was done, the most prolific passer in NCAA history. You know what it is? It's just brushing the hair out of his face. (laughs) That's what he did. We saw him do that this game, and look at the performance. And when I first saw the close-up of him, I was wondering, I wonder if he got a haircut or if he just brushed it. No, he brushed it back. Okay. Because it was in his face in the beginning, and then he remembered. He was like, oh, that's right. Sports animals said brush the hair out of my face. Okay. Uh, Craig, thank you for texting in. Against Fresno State, Shager ran eight times for 58 yards. Net 49, long of 24. One time he got smashed. I don't know what that's a response to, Craig. It's because I thought that I would love to see him be a more complete college quarterback and take off and run. Because I think he's no Chevin Cordero as a runner, but but I think that Shager can take off and run a couple of times, at least like one or two design plays that we had this past week. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't realize he had that much against Fresno, and that game got away from them, so maybe it wasn't as notable as what he did on Saturday night, especially with that quarterback draw. That was a nice run. Uh, Jeff Texan says that this was the second-best team Hawaii football has played this year. I don't agree with that. He's Maybe the second-best team in conference play? Because Michigan's pretty good from what I, what I hear, <laughs> Michigan and – Vanderbilt's turned out to be, I think they're six and five or five and six or something like that. I mean, uh, Western Kentucky's even having a pretty sporty year. I heard that, I heard that Fresno State was pretty good too. Yeah, I'm not sure where he's going with with that, but maybe the second best team out of Nevada we played. <laughs> no, actually, this was the best team out of Nevada. That yeah, we played. that's true. Right, right, that's true too. Right on. 18 minutes after the hour, the Miltons are going to join us coming up next year on ESPN Honolulu. Hey, if you want to check out the Rainbow Warriors on the road this week, uh, join the countdown to kickoff crew, Josh and Coach. They'll be at Big City Diner in Kailua, giving away a trip for two to Las Vegas from Vacations Hawaii. 
And our sponsors, Modelo, will be there with uh, 25-ounce Mega Modelo drafts on special for just $7. So, uh, big mahalo. Join us with Modelo and ESPN Honolulu. Eight twenty-two here in the islands on ESPN Honolulu, and I think it's like four o'clock in the afternoon because our next guests are very, very far away. Uh, it's like a day and a half. It's like they're in Japan. It's like a day and a half time difference. I don't know how they get used to it. We have our old pal Mark Milton on and Mackenzie Milton on as well from Florida. How are you guys? Hey, aloha, Chris and Gary. Happy holidays to you guys. Hey, Mark. Happy happy holidays to you, Mark. And uh, I want to get into uh, Mackenzie Milton is going to join us in a few minutes. Uh, is he on the line there? Or are you just uh, is is he? What's going What's going on, fellas? I'm here. Hey, Mackenzie. Hi, Kenzie. Okay, I want to talk to your dad first because uh, we, it, it's really cool what Mackenzie Milton is doing nowadays. But. Um, Mark Milton, as you've, uh, he's kind of the wine expert here in Hawaii. Not kind of, he is. He is the wine guru. And we've had him on in the past to talk about the different wines he offers, his company, beverage uh, marketing, and more. But um, Mark Milton, representing Menage a Trois wines. It's a sweeter wine, and they keep adding to their lineup there, if you will, uh, don't they? Yeah, yeah, Menage a Trois is a brand. It's one of the most popular wine brands in Hawaii, as well as throughout, you know, America. Uh, they were actually, uh, you know, built with their Menage Red Wine, uh, which is a drier-style table wine, uh, really easy to drink. Uh, it's got, you know, primarily Zinfandel grapes, uh, along with some uh-huh. Cabernet and Merlot. They give it a backbone, and then they have some other really hot selling types like Menage Silk, which is Pinot Noir based and Menage, uh, red, uh, Menage Midnight, which, uh, you know, is more of a Bordeaux style red wine. Those are all mm-hmm. very popular in Hawaii, but the, the new sweet wines are uh, selling like hotcakes. Uh, you know, we have the Menage Dolce Red, which, you know, is a sweet red wine. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people like to, to drink it chilled, uh, you know, much yeah. like, you know, typically people drink, you know, white wines and sparkling champagne wines chilled. Uh, but this red is really easy to consume chilled along with uh, its cousins, the Menage Moscato sweet white, along with mm-hmm. the uh, newer labels, uh, the uh, sultry, uh, you know, uh, red wine, as well as mm-hmm. the hot pink rosé. So uh, they're doing really well, very reasonably priced. Uh, most of them sell under $10, $10, in the grocery stores in Hawaii. And, and they're doing extremely well. And, you know, we want to thank all the Hawaii customers for, uh, you know, their loyalty to the Menage brand, uh, you know, again, which is one of the top-selling wine brands in Hawaii and America. Yeah, you know, but why, why do you think it's so popular? Is it just because it sounds like it's, and I've, you know, thank you, we've, um, you know, had it in our own home. It is very, very easy to drink. And so somebody who might not drink a lot of wine or maybe you're going to a Thanksgiving, you don't want to show up empty-handed at someone's house, right? 
pick up a bottle of Menage a Trois because I think it's one of those wines everybody can agree on. Yeah, I think so. You know, Menage a Trois, the, the principle of the brand is yeah, it's a blend of three, either three growing regions or three different uh, varietals that typically go into the wine. It's kind of the way it was built. And the Trincaro family, which is the second largest family-owned wine company in America next to the Gallows, you know, their whole their whole premise of doing business is to over-deliver on quality and value. So really, you're, you're getting a $10, you're getting like a $14 wine for $10, basically, you know, when you buy it. Mm-hmm. So I think consumers are smart, you know, they, they understand what's, you know, easy for them to drink and what they like at a reasonable price, you know. So I think that's really been their, you know, secret to success. You know, you, you, you mentioned earlier that um, maybe uh, people in Hawaii like to have their red wine chilled a little bit, like white wines or sparkling wines. You mentioned that earlier. But even if it's like a, even if a, kind of a sidebar here, and I think you mentioned this before, even if you have like a Merlot or something like that, right, don't you kind of just stick it in the refrigerator for about 15 minutes? Yeah, you know, even even like with a lot of you know super premium expensive wines, I'll in Hawaii if you don't have your own you know wine refrigerator, if you will, where you can set it at an ideal temperature, uh, I always put red wines. You know, with the weather being eighty to eighty five, you know, all year long in Hawaii, you know, you don't want to drink red wine at eighty degrees. You know, that's not appealing <laughs> at all. So, you know, you chill it down for fifteen twenty minutes. You know, pop it open, and if it's an older wine. You know, it's really interesting, like, the second day, like, if you have a glass that night or two, and then if you uh, open it the next day where it's aired out a little bit or it's opened up a little bit, uh, the wine uh-huh. even tastes bad sometimes the next day, you know. But definitely chill it down, you know, where it's, you know, it's almost like if it's coming out of a cellar in a really nice restaurant, which is temperature uh-huh. controlled, you know, those bottles are always have, you know, they're, they're chilled bottles, you know, they're not freezing, but they're, you know, they got a nice uh, temperature to them, which is pleasant to consume, you know, and drink. Mm-hmm. Where, okay, so yeah. um, where would, where, so folks, we're talking about wines, and we're going to talk about football in a second, but we're talking about um, wines, and this is a great menage a trois line of wines, and you heard Mark talk about the differences in them. You know, there's ones for the, the su- people who like sweet wines, and there's other ones as well. But where do we find it here in Hawaii? You know, we're fortunate. We, we have a really good distributor, RNDC Distributing. Uh, you know, get, has really good broad-scale distribution on those wines. You know, all the major grocery stores, you know, Foodland, Safeway, Times, Don Quixote, uh, even 7-Eleven, and, you know, a lot of other stores, Targets, Walmarts. So they have really good distribution. And, uh, you know, uh, and, again, they're reasonably priced. And, uh, you know, they're perfect for the holidays. You know, obviously we got Thanksgiving coming up here on Thursday. And, you know, and then over the next five or six weeks as we go through the holidays, uh, you know, uh, we'd encourage everybody to, you know, if you're in the mood to uh, have wine with your holiday meals, uh, you know, try it. Because uh, it's a great, a great value, uh, you know, to the consumer. And it, and it just tastes good. And you got a good choice of uh, hey, hey, ones, too. And by too, the way, so. it's, great at, great, it's great at tailgate football games, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mackenzie and I were at the Navy game. I'll let you uh, – we can segue to that right now. Yeah, UCF uh, <laughs> got upset on Saturday, and he was doing the sideline reporting there. So uh, uh, I'll give you him right now. Okay, thanks, Mark. I tell you what, Kenzie, hold on one second. We've got to get a, a surf report in here, and we'll be back with Absolutely. the Miltons 
on ESPN Honolulu. Thank you, guys. The Miltons are on with the animals on ESPN Honolulu. Mark Milton uh, talking about Menage a Trois wine. It's a whole line of wine that you, are, uh, you and your family will enjoy this holiday season. So pick up some at, uh, you know, really everywhere here on Oahu uh, for your Thanksgiving festivities. Mackenzie Milton, of course, star football player from Mililani. Unfortunately, they lost to the Buff and Blue uh, this past weekend in the state tournament. You saw, and we rooted him on at UCF and Florida State as well. Kenzie, how's it going? Doing good, brother. Appreciate you having me on. You know, your dad kind of ruined the tease because we we're going we to say, and you'll never believe what Mackenzie's doing nowadays. But as your dad <laughs> mentioned, now you are with, uh, you're, um, with uh, FM 96.9, the game in Orlando, pregame, postgame for UCF football, sideline reporter. How fun is that? Yeah, you know, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Definitely out of my wheelhouse, but you know, I'm getting more acclimated to it and it's been it's been a good adjustment outside of playing ball now. You know, already you sound so much better than Gary, so you know, it's probably <laughs> yeah. what I was about that. What I was gonna <laughs> say is that maybe if you listen to Chris and Gary all these years, you're thinking if they can do it, I can do it, or anybody can do it. Maybe that's <laughs> how you got into it. But uh so what what kind of things have you said, especially with the Navy game on Saturday, what kind of comments were you making? What were you noting during the game? It wasn't a whole lot of good, I'll say that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't a whole lot of good, you know. Navy coach Nehemiah and those guys they did a good job of just controlling the ball, and you know we we couldn't get anything going on offense at UCF. Shut them down really in the second half, but we couldn't score. So really, just kind of a disappointing game for Night Nation out here. When you know if we won the last two regular season games, we'd be hosting the conference championship and a chance to go in the New Year Six. So it is what it is. Got to bounce back this week against our rivals, USF. Hey, Kenzie, so how did you get into this? How, who approached you? How did you get into the broadcasting business over there in Florida? Yeah, so Mark Daniels, he's the voice of UCF. He's been calling the color the past, I mean, as long as I've been there. I think he's been there uh-huh. 25 years. And um, he just asked me if there's something I'd be interested in. And, you know, I'm doing about four or five different things right now, kind of as an independent contractor. So this is something that's, for sure garnered my interest for as long as I played. And, you know, it's just really an opportunity I couldn't turn down. Um, learning from someone like Mark Daniels, who's one of the best around in the business. You know, and you can you you get a chance to stay involved in football that uh, with that as well. What other kinds of things are you doing? What are the other four or five things you're doing? Yeah, so I'm actually spearheading a collective in the NIL space here at UCF called Miscontrol. And, what we do is we put on live and virtual events and we hone in on corporate sponsors as well as crowdsourcing to compensate our athletes here at UCF. So I'm, I'm spearheading that and just trying to do something legit in the space, in the space here at my alma mater. Um, doing some stuff with the roofing company, doing some marketing stuff. I have another radio show that I'm doing uh, with, um, with iHeartMedia on Friday, Friday afternoons with my buddy Brandon Kravitz. And then I'm actually about to be rolling out a podcast here in the next month or two, so stay tuned for that. Oh, oh okay. We, we can all look out for that. Make sure you uh, 
send us a text when it debuts and we can get into that so the station uh i mentioned fm 96.9 the game that's the uh that's a that's a different radio station than the uh football games would appear on same station same station oh okay Mackenzie, you forgot one of your more important jobs. Aren't you a, a new father? Yeah. That 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 is the most important job. Now that one takes the most time as well. <laughs> yeah. Do you ask do you ask your dad for any advice? What advice have you asked your dad about being a father? Um truly I don't ask him too much advice, kind of just cuz he's been the best example um the past 25 uh. years. They just follow in his lead of just being a provider, being a coach, being a, a life coach as well as a football coach. And just, you know, really it doesn't get any better than my dad. So just really following his lead and, and just leading by action. Does he ever say anything like, you know, one is fine, but don't have four boys? <laughs> <laughs> no. He'd, he'd, probably, he'd probably be retired by now. And not, not doing <laughs> <laughs> We're talking with Mackenzie Milton here via the uh, Zephyr Insurance uh, text line and hotline, I guess. Mackenzie, I want to go back to the NIL deal that you were talking about with your job there. What have you noticed? What are the good things? What are the bad things or negative things, if there is such a thing, with NILs and how they've been used this, uh, for the last year? Yeah, I think the good things are, you know, I'm a prime example of, you know, I we won 25 straight games here and. All I had to really show for it was two two rings and nine knee surgeries and, and nothing in my bank account. So what I do see is the opportunity of these kids can become financially literate in their time in, in college from having to file taxes, make money, learn how to manage their money instead of, you know, that 1% that goes into the NFL and they get a signing bonus for over seven figures and then they go buy mama house, auntie a house, uncle a house. Now they got three mortgages, three different car payments. And now that money is cut in half from taxes, and then the other half is gone from spending it all. So I think that is the biggest thing for me is just these athletes getting out of their sandbox, learning how to manage money that they have to file taxes on, and a, a, just an opportunity for them to market market themselves with world-renowned brands. Um, where I think the the gray area is, and you know, to me, it's just the adults in the room, from boosters to coaches. Um, not really abiding by the rules in terms of just paying guys to transfer, paying guys to come out of high school. I think there's always going to be that. I think there has been that even prior to NIL at some of these SEC schools. Is you know they've just it's, it's been the highest bidder, but now it's you know you get the transfer portal as well as NIL. It's just gasoline and match, and now it's just been insane. But for us here at UCF, what we're doing is a, a different approach. You know, we have 60,000 um, students that go to school here, and wow. we have an alumni base that 80% of them stay in the Orlando area. So our thought process, we start crowdsourcing at $10 a month. We put on virtual events behind our paywalls, paywalls such as a podcast, and basically kind of create like a 24-7 sports specific to UCF. We hone in on corporate sponsors such as Yingling, 3MG Roofing and Solar, FBC Mortgage. You got Visit Orlando out here with all the theme parks. There's an opportunity to tie these brands to these student athletes and you put on live events, virtual events, and social media influencing and you legitimize the space instead of just paying guys to show up on campus. Because in my opinion, it's going to get played out where 
you bring in a five star for eight million dollars, which is what Tennessee is supposedly paying this <laughs> quarterback, Nico Iamaleava. Um, you pay this guy eight million bucks, but he never plays. Then what? You know, you got a booster that's really pissed off that he got zero ROI because there's only one Heisman Trophy, one national championship, one conference championship. So I do see it, it getting played out in the sense that boosters are going to get tired of stroking checks and there's going to have to be something, some sort of legitimate, you know, fun, sustainable at each university. And, and that's our goal here at UCF. Can the group of five schools compete with the NIL that the Power Five schools can offer? Even though it's not from the school, but it's from their boosters and business people. Um, it's tough to say. I'll say right now, no, until there is a system in place that can create sustainability. But there's strength in numbers, right? So my thought process in our program is there's 40,000 fans that go to UCF games. You get 10,000 of those fans to sign up at 10 bucks a month. That's $100,000 to disperse over all your student-athletes in a monthly basis. That's over a million dollars in a year. And then if you get in Orlando Health, which is the main hospital here in FBC Mortgage, and a, a Disney or a Universal to kick back another million a year, that's $2 million. Then you can compete. Then you can recruit. Then you can have something sustainable. Like, hey, I'm not going to pay you a million dollars to come sign here, but this is what our quarterback made here through this program last year. And that's your wow. best recruiting pitch, taking care of the current student-athletes here. I don't think – You'll ever get to the booster level of Alabama, Tennessee. That takes time, or a Florida State. But you got the strength in numbers. You got the community behind the athletes. That's that has more power than any booster, in my opinion. That's that's quite a that's quite amazing. Just because it's you know little thinking outside the box, accomplishing the same thing. It's uh, it's not as easy as just going to Alabama and going, okay, bam, here's the millions and millions of dollars you need from a few people here and there. Uh, you know, it's not Phil Knight in Oregon who just, you know, pays for everything. Uh, Mark, is mm-hmm. your dad still on the line? Mark, you must be so proud. I'm here. Yeah. You know, uh, I think, uh, you know, McKenzie, you know, battled through a lot of adversity with everything he went through over the last, you know, three or four years. And, uh, you know, he's in the next chapter of his life right now. And, uh, you know, his son is named Madden. So we've got football in the family. And, uh, you know, hopefully that legacy will continue. And, uh, yeah, I'm just proud of him. He got his degree at UCF. He, he also got his uh, master's at UCF, you know, along with, you know, everything that uh, they were able to accomplish, you know, on the football field. So he's got his life ahead of him, and uh, I think he's on a really good path. And, uh, you know, yeah, I'm just very proud of him. Right on. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Mackenzie. Yeah. Kenzie, keep us uh, keep us in uh, t- Mark. Keep us in touch with the, you know, if uh, if Kenzie gets too busy with the podcast and other things, because we'd love to help out. Okay. No, we'll do, and appreciate uh, all your guys' uh, support over the years, and you guys are great at what you do. And happy holidays right. to you, family, and uh, everybody listening. Thank you, fellas. All right. Thanks, I'm drinking a glass of Menage a Trois sweet wine right now. Just. Uh, Available all over the place, usually less than 10 bucks at a store near you. Enjoy it for Thanksgiving and the holidays. Mark and Kenzie, thanks. We'll talk again soon. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Likewise. All right. Uh, there it is. The Miltons. That's a, that's a podcast in itself with those two guys. Really? 
Fun with the Miltons, <laughs> featuring Madden Milton. What's it going to be like in a number of years where it's like Arch Manning, right? They'll be all, here's Madden Milton. And uh, anyway, uh, that's really interesting what he's doing as far as, uh, I'll say it again, going out and going, okay, using crowdsourcing and things like that to go out and go, okay, we'll put all this big collective together and raise, if we can get help from the community, We'll, we'll get that $2 million, you know, like other people, just have somebody donate it. Yeah. And uh, that's uh, it's it's pretty cool. And he's just graduated. He's just gotten his master's. He's just getting underway in life. And so if Kenzie's where he is now, think of where it'll be 10 years from now. Yeah, really something. And he had a great perspective on the NIL. I was really impressed with that. It really makes a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah. All right. Hey, uh, if you're feeling hungry, you're in the Kapole area. Head on down to a place we like to go. It's called DB Grill in Coppola Commons. You can try their new grilled ribeye topped with kimchi butter. Don't forget, handcrafted soju crafts. Visit dbgrillhi.com or follow them on social media at dbgrillhi. Oh. We got a text from Tanner. The Broncos <laughs> waved Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I saw that a few minutes ago. Oh, okay. All right. Hey, uh, by the way, Boise State and Fresno State, if you haven't heard by now, uh, they are in the Mountain West football championship game. And I guess that's one that uh, you would have predicted in the beginning of the season, right? In the beginning, but not after two or three games because Boise was struggling. They ended up firing their offensive coordinator. Their quarterback transfers out. Fresno State is struggling, losing to UConn of all teams on the road. It looked like both teams were just hoping to be bowl eligible at the beginning of October. But, boy, have things changed for both teams. Hayner comes back for Fresno State. That's all she wrote. And for Boise, Dirk Cutter takes over, and they don't miss a beat. It's like the old Boise almost as far as being undefeated in conference. And those teams have really changed things around. So probably the preseason favorites, but not in the beginning of the season after a couple of games, but they've gotten really stronger over the last month, mm. that's for sure. Uh, got a text here on the Zephyr Insurance text line at 808-296-1420. Uh, somebody also commented again on uh, Braden Shager. His accuracy is horrendous. He does not elevate other players' potential. That's a good cliche. Cannot see potential in him. I see potential. He watched Timmy Chang for his entire high school. He watched Timmy Chang for his entire high school and UH career. He was way better quarterback as a freshman. We will never get better unless we change the quarterback. Now, first of all, nobody here said that Braden Shager was Timmy Chang. What we said earlier was that the players coming out of high school and having success on the D1 college level doesn't seem to ever happen. Even with Timmy Chang, who at the time when he left college football was the most prolific passer of all time. But you'll have to remember, he also held the record for the most interceptions as well. Yeah. I hate to bring that up because yeah. I know that Timmy hates that. But the point is, Timmy struggled in the beginning. He really did. But he got better and better and better. And he went from run and shoot Ron Lee to run and shoot June Jones. Sager's been through three different offenses now in the last three years. Yeah, and I don't think it's fair to say we can't win with Sager. It's not all on him. He has improved. I don't think anybody could debate that. 
from what he looked like in September to what he looks like now, he has improved. And even right. though fifty percent or fifty-five or six, whatever it was on Saturday, isn't maybe high. He like was sixty percent. Okay, sixty percent was the number. So he's still he's not awful. He's just been average when he's throwing fifty percent. But he's done doing other things now to help this team win. I mean, Zion Bowens is really a good addition. But I mean, I think it takes two to get that those plays and those touchdowns and uh, give. Give shit, give credit where credit is due. If people blame him too quickly, too easily, and I don't think it's as fair now as it might have been a month ago when he was struggling. But when you see the improvement there, and he can continue to improve, he's young. I think he does have a bright future, potentially at least. Okay, and here's what I'm saying. If you remember anything out of this, remember this: is I'm not apologizing for Braden Shager, and I'm not being a homer because if Braden Shager next year is throwing 60% completions, and uh, he's still, you know, he's getting better. But a year from now, if he's still doing that, I'd be a little disappointed. Point is, I don't think he will because he has shown improvement, and we know from Coach and others he is a tireless worker. He's trying to get better as soon as he can. I would think that we would give him the benefit of the doubt at least, right? At least, at least, and he's he's earned that over the last month. And I think a year, Timmy Chang is not June Jones, but June Jones was a great quarterback guru, so to speak. Timmy can be that, maybe not to the same extent, not yet, but we know Timmy's going to help his game. And I don't think Timmy Chang would start this guy or continue to start him if he didn't think that, that he could be that guy. And he has gotten yeah. better. So, All right. A, and uh, All right, so uh, here we go. It's time for us to, we, we're pow. But want to let everyone remind everyone once again, Dixie Grill in IAEA, 49ers against the Cardinals for Monday Night Football. And that is followed by uh, Trivia Night with Geeks Who Drink. Lots of prizes for you to win. So check it out. Monday Night Football tonight at Big City Diner. The Big City Diner. Well, I'm sure you can go to Big City Diner, too. But Dixie Grill in IAEA. And then tomorrow, it's the really big road show number four. Myself and Gary and Josh, and I believe Kanoa is going to be there, too, at uh, Growler of Hawaii in Kapahulu. Uh, all kinds of great special guests live and in person tomorrow from 3 to 6 from ESPN Honolulu.